I am your host, Lev Polyakov, drinking some uh, delicious milk, as you can see over here. And we are going to be talking about things that also have to do with where milk comes from, at least the upper half. And the lower half is where babies come from. We are oh. going to be talking about uh, the uh, pornography, had to make whether that or not <laughs> don't worry about it geo don't worry about it it's all good in the hood we're going to be talking about pornography today whether or not it would lead to brain damage brain disturbances and with us we have two wonderful people we have glink who is back in action on btr one of my favorite documentarians of all time shout out to glink shout out to glink's audience who is watching this make sure you guys subscribe to breaktherules.tv by the way this is where this is coming from and it is one of the greatest most underrated shows of all time so we bring everybody together here we have the best uh, linking up of people who you would never expect. We had Six Hex and Hammer Six 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 together with a person who worked for Pete Buttigieg, for example. Those are the kind of crossovers that only happen with BTR. And we have the wonderful Shannon Q joining us today, all the way from uh, Canada. And you are a YouTuber who debates about religion and psychology. You are an expert in uh, psychology and cognition, perception, things of that nature. So it is a great pleasure to have you here. And, of course, Geo from Among the Shadows. And later we are going to have yeah, Nina Paley. This is my old camera. I have to – my new yes. one is more light, yeah. And later on, we are going to have uh, Nina Paley joining as well. So I would like to start this up from uh, Glink's point of view. Glink, you got very passionate about this particular subject. I want to know why you got so passionate about it. And what exactly do you see pornography having to do with the human mind? And then I would love to uh, get Shannon's uh, point of view as well. The way I see it, porn is an activity. Watching porn is an activity. And maybe this is not true for everyone, but it's not just another form of TV or, you know, movies, you know, these kinds of more passive things that we watch, that we're used to watching, that we're used to consuming. Porn is a form of media that is interactive that you know for a lot of men especially i think for women it's a little different but i'm sure they can relate where it's something um you watch porn to get stimulated and you jerk off and there's a release you know there's a kind of a process there and i've compared it to a drug but whether or not you call it a drug doesn't really matter because what i'm really arg arguing for is that the experience of watching porn and the experience of jerking off to porn that's often accompanied with it is a very potentially addictive, harmful thing. But more than that, it's it's something that's a perversion of reality. It's a perversion of our own nature. It's a perversion of something you could call it sacred. You could call it important. I mean, I think we all value sexual relationships. I think we all value relationships in general. We all value love and those things are affected by pornography consumption and more to the relevant point of just where we are today all of that being said the the most important thing is that gen z and younger people growing up today they are growing up where they have instant access to tens of thousands of pages you know infinite pornography for free from their devices from anything and that's just something that wasn't around 20 years ago to the extent that it is now and it wasn't normalized to the extent that it is now so all that being the case i view this as a big um you know an issue of our time uh, i think porn is the opiate of the masses in the modern age 
that's the short version of it. But uh, just to be clear, when you're saying porn is the opiate, do you mean that in the real sense or just in the metaphoric sense? Uh, they're both the same thing, because while opium is a drug, a substance that you consume, the effect is what I'm talking about. The effect on culture, on people, uh, in terms of like it keeps people somewhat subdued. It keeps people in a sort of what we do call like a, you know, this this person is just off in a dream state or whatever. You know, they're in la la land, except it's it's with um overstimulating pornography which is detached from reality it's like whereas someone in an op uh, someone who's on opium or whatever maybe they're just like blissed out or whatever but what i'm saying is that it's effectively the modern day opiate of the masses well shannon oh, very much so. yeah well shannon you got that information so uh go for it let, let me know what you think defend the prawn as we like to call it for opsec spelling prawn <laughs> okay <laughs> Um, well, I can speak towards how porn operates from a neuroscience perspective. So what actually happens in your brain um, when you're viewing porn. Um, I, there was a lot in there, and I think that they can, each of Glink's points can probably be, dressed, uh, be addressed sorry, individually to a certain degree. Some of them would pertain to neuroscience, some of them would be more sociological. Um, I can speak more to the general psychology and the neuroscience surrounding it. So I, I get maybe addiction is probably a good place to start or brain damage. Uh, but before I speak towards it, I want to make sure that I'm addressing um, a point that he's actually making. So I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm very clear. So Glink, do you believe that porn causes actual physical damage to the brain? Um, not in... I think that's just uh, I would never argue that point because I think that's just okay. oversimplifying a very complex phenomenon that awesome. on one level <laughs> it's just something you're stimulated by. But like I okay. said, I think it's tied. I would tie it to the activity of jerking off when I'm discussing it for the most part. But it doesn't have to be. But anyways, yeah. OK, OK. So that, that's actually probably a good jumping off. I'm glad to hear you say that because it demonstrably doesn't. Right. So it doesn't cause anything that would even like closely. Um, be an analog to brain damage. But what porn does and can do um, when you're talking about jerking off is activate a portion of the brain that's called a striatum. And the striatum in the brain is part of a, an overreaching system called the basal ganglia. And what the basal ganglia does, and specifically the striatum, they're part of not just the reward center, but they're part of the portion of the brain that creates habits so and also controls motor function like volitional motor function and interacts with another part of the brain called the hippocampus so when you're viewing porn it activates multiple parts of the brain so it activates the striatum it activates the overall basal ganglia it activates the prefrontal cortex it activates the limbic system the limbic system is the system that uh controls kind of like the autonomic functions and sexual drives and it activates the hippocampus which has to do with memory so what your body does or what your brain does for your body at that point is say okay like we like this it's good <laughs> we're going to activate the motor functions and the physiological functions that are required to 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 you know enjoy this we're going to register that we enjoyed it so that this is a thing that we like and potentially seek it out again now that's a fully natural thing for your brain to do like your brain releases that dopamine 
uh, dopamine is a neurotransmitter, the, which is are the chemicals that uh, cause your, your neurons to fire. And the dopamine is like the reward one. Like it's the, it's the good one. It's what most of the drugs elicit. But it does this all naturally. So this is part of the natural physiological function of your brain. So when you're watching porn. I have a question. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Well, maybe so, I'll I, be done. I don't I, no, I'm, I would never be done. I'll prattle on about the brain <laughs> okay. until the end of time. Well, Go it, ahead it and does, interrupt me. Yeah. It does rewire, like it does rewire certain uh, well, uh, pleasure well, um, well, pathways. Uh, oh, everybody's got questions. All yeah, kinds of questions. Nice. <laughs> so, so you're saying it's, there's nothing unnatural about it. I mean, what do you consider natural in that case? So what I consider natural mm -hmm. from a brain perspective is that your brain is reacting to an external perceptual stimuli in the way that we would expect. So when you see something sexual that turns you on, we would expect to see certain systems activate and we would expect to see that more times than not, right? If your brain is functional, functioning optimally. And when you're viewing porn, the systems that we'd expect to see activate, activate the way that we would expect them to. So that, that is natural. Okay, well, I would take it a step further, and maybe you're not willing to go here. I would say nothing about pornography is natural. Nothing about watching something on a screen is natural to the human development, to evolution, to biology, to anything that we've known for the past. Like I said, I mean, this is a relatively new invention. It's been 20 years since we've had porn. It's completely, uh, it's a simulated uh, experience. And so there, I, don't, I wouldn't consider that natural at all. Did you say it's only been 20 years that we've had pornography? Since we've had digital pornography accessible. Uh, oh, okay. So you're talking about like the volume and frequency of availability? But, al but also, the, right, I yes. think, okay. manifold, like the different sensations as well. Mm. Like the yeah, the, the experience is what matters to me. Yeah, the, the polyvocality of it. Yeah. The sensations involved, the areas of the brain that are activated. You mm -hmm. know, if it's, just, if it's just viewing a printed out picture of porn, I haven't done a study on this, but I would guess that like, if it's like a nude image, right, on a poster, mm -hmm. right. I don't think that would activate you the same way, stimulate you the same way that like watching a video for five minutes would, let's say. Um, it can. It absolutely. It's, so it's going to activate the same systems from like a limbic system and uh, a striatum. And um, there's a part of the dope. There's a dopamine activating system that's called the ventral tagimental. I, I'm going to the VTA is probably the best. Best way to, we'll call it the VTA because that, that's what they call it in the literature for the most part. So that's going to release dopamine. That's going to flush dopamine through your system. That could happen when you view an image. It could happen when you view a movie. It could happen when you see a person like in front of you. All of those things could activate the same system. So it's kind of, con but it can be context dependent. Mm -hmm. So you can you can have these systems activate in in viewing like a picture. Uh, or you could no longer like you, you could kind of get like a fatigue towards the picture, which maybe is what you're talking to, where like there's this volume where people have it more readily available to them. And because they're now be able to be sated with their desires to, to view these things more that's more readily available to them, they can kind of form a habit that causes them to not be sated uh, or satiated as easily uh, with just viewing a picture? Or do you feel as though the additional complexity and component of a video, because um, it could activate your prefrontal cortex a little bit more if there's a narrative involved, like if there's a narrative involved in the video, um, that could well, activate I, I a different center? Say, 
I'm, I'm just thinking about the senses. Like if, you know, if it's a still image, mm -hmm. that's one, uh, the senses and novelty are the two things. And I don't know the scientific terms for this exactly, but like, okay. for example, I, I know enough to know that just, just from experimental point of view, that one image is not going to be as interesting to the, to the brain, to me, to anyone as a series of images, a video, if you will. And also the okay. audio from the video is going to elicit a certain sensation, a level of immersion, a level of stimulation that okay, you know, that's absent, absent of that audio. You have your imagination, of course, and I'm all for the imagination. But I, I think also part of this whole thing is that I think porn is kind of like anti-imagination because it instead of you just imagining some sort of sexual fantasy and, and may, maybe pleasuring yourself to that, I don't even necessarily have a problem with that. I, I just have a problem with porn because I think it it takes those that um, that uh, that imagination or that um, desire for sex and it warps it into this distorted, simulated uh, and detached form of media that we consume and that we form habits out of consuming. Okay, so I just want to make sure that I'm fully processing and understanding what you're saying because I'm very much big on making sure that I'm actually speaking towards what the person is yeah. actually saying. That's super important. I don't want to talk past you. Um, so it seems to me as though what you're saying is that, you know, like, well, we'll put just plain pictures aside. And when we're talking about porn, we'll talk about like fully digital media where there's audio and video and dialogue. Maybe, Fort maybe there's dialogue, <laughs> maybe there's dialogue, who knows? <laughs> sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. Um, and that that's a more complex interaction for your brain and i would agree with that absolutely that's why i brought up narrative because it's going to activate different regions just set just from a sensory perception like a standpoint like you're going to activate your temporal lobe if you're hearing something more so uh if you're just seeing something you're only going to activate more so your occipital lobe because that's where your vision is processed um so yeah totally agree with that absolutely agree with that so where i get kind of maybe off off the rails with it is thinking that your brain treats registering sex differently based on the medium. Because um, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot of evidence um, for that from a neuroscience perspective. Because your brain isn't reacting, like the parts of your brain that are reacting to viewing a sexual image, they're not the same parts of your brain that are cognitively involved in um, like trying to contextualize it and figure out how you feel about it. They're very sort of visceral midbrain and hindbrain structures. So, so They're like reflexive. If you could simplify that, you're saying that you're not sure if there's evidence that looking at an image versus, or, sorry, the evidence for what exactly? For it activating different um, regions of the brain from a, like a registering this is sexy and I like it standpoint. Mm -hmm. But it does change um, preference behaviors, though. It does change. Uh, it does have a sort of cumulative effect upon certain paraphilias and fetishes. I think that research into these things are. Kind oh, that's of like, a whole different story. Because I guess I, I can agree with purpose, you there. <laughs> my opinion is that they're purposefully stuttered from academia. Because it leads to very politically incorrect conclusions, in my opinion. Oh, they, 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 they have studied it in academia, actually. So they, they've, they've yeah, studied Yeah, but, I mean, you know, I don't want to get down the road. <laughs> well, no, no, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll but, get there a little um, bit later, but I want to get back not, to the... 
pornographic preferences change over time. They change towards extremes, and those extremes inform one's identity. Mm. I think, like, that's... That has to do with maladaptive habit formation. Right. Well, how do you think that happens, then? How do you think maladaptive habit formation... That is so... I love that question. That's that's a super good question, because it's that, that can be very context-dependent, and there's a couple of things that are involved. So one of the things that involve that are involved, like from a neuroscience perspective to maladaptive ha habit formation is a, potentially a general predisposition. You could have a general predisposition where your like dopamogenic production system just isn't operating optimally and, and you become like a sensation seeker. Right. So this doesn't necessarily mean that porn is the outlet that you're using. You could video games could be what you use. You could like be a gambler. You could like so, be like a shopper. Yeah, I, I understand. But yeah. so do you see do you acknowledge at all? How do you fit in the role of the environment, which is that was part two. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, like yeah. in this case, the environment is the internet, and the internet is full of porn. So, like, mm -hmm. it, in response to a maladaptive behavior becoming more prevalent throughout society, mm -hmm. I think the first place I would look is well, where in the environment have there been changes in the past few years on a massive scale that people right. are engaging with these activities? I think that's probably the main reason. I, I like. I don't think that's a big leap to assume such a thing. You know what I mean? It's so. In order, so are you saying that you believe that there's more people are generally more prone now because of the access to porn to maladaptive yes. habit formation? Yes. Um, that may. I, I don't know the answer to that, to to be honest. But I don't. But porn isn't the cause of maladaptive habit formation so much as it is. Um, an outlet almost like a type of self-medication how do you how do you know that you're assuming it's an uh, i mean I, it's probably it's both obviously but like yeah. but 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 okay go on sorry i don't want you to cut you off but what i'm no, trying okay. to figure you out a is, point that'll help me change my mind okay because you're because your your perspective is like porn is used as an outlet for these people who might already have for whatever number of reasons in their life genetically yeah. or environmentally a predisposition Likely want... a combination. Yeah, yeah. Likely a combination of the two, yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, this gets into this, like, nature versus nurture, obviously. But I think I, it's I, always both. <laughs> yeah, it is always both. It's always both. But, but I, I, would, I would say to, uh, in the past 100 years, mm -hmm. nature has been altered far more than uh, – or, sorry, the environment has yeah. been altered far more than human physiology. That makes sense. So there could be something to be said for the fact that having ready access to something that is known to be um, something that people will utilize if they have like a dopamine reduction and having um, less social connections, because that's where most people get their endogenous hits of dopamine on a day to day basis. So having less social connections and feelings of isolation will lead you towards these maladaptive behaviors because your system is essentially saying, okay, well, I'm becoming like, I'm, I'm not getting the stimulation that I need in order to maintain a stasis where I'm, well, I'm happy and functioning. So if I have consistent access to something that's going to get me that quick hit, um, I've, and I'm all, and I'm going to be able to do it consistently. I may do that over and over again to the point that it becomes a habit. And when it becomes a habit, what happens in your brain is that the dopamine that initially gave you the euphoria isn't going to be produced as much because it's not supposed to be. Like from 
a developmental perspective, our brains give us that dopamine hit so that we can know, okay, well, this is a good thing. This is great for survival. This is, this is something that we like. This is that like, this is a thing that we should learn how to do more. And once that happens consistently enough, your brain does what it's supposed to do. And it kind of puts it on autopilot, kind of like riding a bike, right? So your brain says, okay, well, this is a thing that we're going to do consistently. We don't need to give you that euphoric feeling anymore. The problem lies in if you were, this is where it becomes maladaptive. If you were using that behavior to get that dopamine hit, if that was the point of you engaging in that action, and then you're no longer getting that dopamine hit, now the thing that you were doing to satiate yourself is no longer a form of satiation. So you now engage in additional sensation seeking. So the problem isn't the porn itself. The problem is the underlying cause that drove you towards that sensation seeking. So if that problem is isolation, if that problem is that you have like a, a, the type of brain that's more prone to generalized depression, if that problem is that um, you, you maybe have um, other neurological or developmental neurodivergence, then those problems being addressed will help you kind of, or, or you like setting different types of goals will help you like move yourself away from that maladaptive behavior. Okay. Um, I, I understand what you're saying. Okay. Let me just try to rephrase it so that I want to make sure we're on the same page. Sorry. I'm super vocal. <laughs> I'll, no, to be, I'll mute. I have a rebuttal to that. Uh-oh. We've got a glink going. Okay, let me just make sure we're on the same yeah. page and then we can go from there. Um, the way I see what you're explaining, you're basically saying that if somebody has an addiction to porn, let's say, it's not the porn that's the problem. It's their whatever it is in their brain, their system, their body, that's malfunctioning. Their environment, okay. yeah. That yeah. it's, yeah, their environment, okay. Yeah. Um, you don't view porn as part of that environment though? The porn is part of the environment. Sure, everything that exists is part of your environment. Right, <laughs> right. yeah. Okay. So of course. So how yeah. is that not part of the problem if it's part of the cause? Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily part of the cause because it's, okay. it's the opium that you were talking about, yeah. I guess, in that scenario. So yeah. it's, it's what you're seeking in order to get the good feeling, right? Mm. Um, so I guess it's it's a problem in so much as it gives you that good feeling and then your brain does the thing it's supposed to do and says, oh, okay, well, we formed a habit around this. We don't need to flood ourselves anymore. We know how to do mm. this now. And then it doesn't give you that good feeling anymore. So it's, it, and that could be a different outlet, right? Like, so like I said, that could be video games. That could be gambling. I, I could think be in order to avoid uh, something here, because I, I think we might have two different approaches, which is like, okay. I think what you're saying is, is exactly how one should think about it from a scientific and individualistic level, where it's like, if somebody had a porn addiction, them saying, well, porn is the problem, isn't going to fix anything, right? For like, sure. That's not, that's not useful, of course. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I totally, I, I like that is a useful perspective. But I, what I'm more concerned with, or what I'm really like talking about more so, is on a on a larger scale, like a societal scale. For example, with the opium example, it's like okay, if you're talking to one person who's hooked on opium in um, 17th century China or whatever mm -hmm. era it was, I don't even know. Uh, you know, you might be like, well, the oh, the opium aside, you have to rearrange your life to like have a better, healthier relationship with your environment, with the people in your life, not be so isolated. All these things are good. But on a massive scale, I wouldn't, I, I would also say that the opium being flooded into China is a problem in and of itself because it is, 
a factor, a major factor in the environment that is leading to this, to the creation of these bad habits, even if it's not the sole reason for it. So um, I'm going to draw an important clinical differentiation between opium, and I don't know if this speaks to your analogy or not, but there's, there's from a DSM-5 perspective, there's essentially two different types of addiction, and there's a very, very important reason why from a clinical perspective they're seen as different. Opium and, you know, the heroin and cocaine and things like that, what they do is they replace on your neuroreceptors, the, the, the neurotransmitters that you, that you have naturally to the point that you stop producing them as much. So you can't just, you become physiologically dependent on that substance, right? So with porn, it's not, or, or any other sort of like addictive maladaptive behavior, it's not quite the same. Like if to get somebody off something like an opium, so in that analogy, yeah, opium 100% is the problem because you're developing a physiological dependence that you need to induce and introduce something like a methadone so, to, to re-regulate okay, the, so the I, neurotransmitters in. So don't mind, I want to stop yeah, you there because yeah, sure. I think this is interesting because this gets to where, why I call porn a drug. Okay. Because your perspective is i could be wrong but it sounds like purely scientific and in in being scientific it's also materialistic in other words you draw the line at the at the chemical reaction of a substance that you can you can physically say this is a material substance that goes into your body but this is why i said at the onset that i'm more interested in experience because to me if i'm or you know to me and millions of others if the way I view pornography is uh, at night before bed, jerk off, get the flood of dopamine released in my brain, get all the parts of my brain activated and then go to sleep mm -hmm. versus if I uh, do a line of coke before a party. OK, the line of coke is a substance and porn is a screen that I'm looking at and I'm right. doing an action. Right. I would prefer you do the porn. It's not <laughs> right. Well, you, well, you mean the phenomenological elements of it. In other words, clean, like the sort of yeah, yeah, like that's what you know. Not to not to sound what uh, that's what matters to me, you know, because it's it's funny because the word matter is like, you know, the physical matter, right? But I'm saying what actually matters is the, I guess, metaphysical is the conscious experience of porn. You and it's effectively a drug in that sense. It's a it's a screen drug or it's a visual drug. It's a simulated drug, whatever you want to call it. But the point is, it's a technology that is used to uh, facilitate a sort of release of feel good chemicals in the brain, and that I think is the primary way way porn. So, is would you say any technology that is used to facilitate the release of feel good chemicals in the brain is a detriment? No, I wouldn't say it's a detriment, but I would say in porn's case, it is. Why is porn somehow different? I think porn is different because it, I think porn promotes a lot of these negative um, behaviors or fat, like you were talking about isolation, for example. Okay. Um, talking about, uh, there's a few other things, like say a guy who's lonely and single and wants to be with girls or wants a girlfriend or whatever Hello. <laughs> i mean which is very common uh, especially nowadays and it's like I, I think porn is a huge hurdle in the way of that and it's a negative because what it does is it, it acts on those same sexual desires and those same desires maybe even for 
um, you know, having a partner, but rather than you seeking it out, it's an easy outlet that just gives you this, um, that's why I view it as a negative ultimately is because it's, it's sort of a stimulus. I always say it's a stimulus detached from its, from its purpose completely. Whereas like, okay, let me give you another example. I'll try to keep it short with video games. You know, people often compare that. It's like, okay, but with video games, there's a lot more going on that is not, uh, tied to one specific outcome it's like you could be playing a game with friends you could be playing a strategy game and just like you know exercising your um you know problem solving skills or you could be there's all sorts of different things that video games can provide same thing with media we consume like youtube you know you could be using youtube for a whole bevy of different uh purposes but with porn there's not really like oh you know we use porn to like uh, no, it's pretty straightforward what people use it for. It's not a secret. <laughs> well, wait, wait. Before Gio jumps in, I just want to make sure that would you say that you guys are more or less on the same page except for the metaphysical question? That seems to be the one that's dividing you right now, unless there's anything else. I don't else. even know that it's necessarily dividing us because it seems as though what you're saying is that your issue with it is that in, in at least a subset of instances – there's a group of people that are potentially overusing it or or that maybe that's not even the right term. Maybe the term is using it as a proxy for a real life relationship and that that's not healthy. Yeah, that's some, that's one aspect. There's many other aspects. I would say because I would aspect. say that that is in fact not healthy. Like if you, if that's how you're using it is as a proxy for a real life relationship. Um, for whatever reason, that's that's not healthy. So I'm on I'm on your your same page there. <laughs> but well, is it a, but is it a matter of an individual? Of probably, oh, everybody wants. Uh, yeah. To <laughs> uh, well, okay. Real fast. I know Gio, you have a lot to say, but real fast. Geo hashtag Geo harassment. Is it a question of how many people have to be in that state for it to be considered harmful? Because we may know some people who can, you know, jack it to porn and handle it, and then others that don't. But overall, we consider something to be harmful, like opiates was mentioned before in the chat, when you have a sizable amount of people that... Those are always harmful. Not... Yes. Well, Let's it, be clear. It, those yes, are those are always harmful. Well, yes. I'm, I'm on the fence with opium, though. I think, I think uh, well, as an artist. opium, you can control it, and it produces certain uh, creative effects. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Never no, mind. no, 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 no. But that. beyond beyond the no, opium, really. See, what, what I'm trying <laughs> to what I'm trying to figure out here is that when it comes to pornography, I think that it may be the amount of people. Like, if we can show that there is an overwhelming amount of people that it has deteriorated their social lives, that it has prevented them from going out and seeking something. Uh, for example, like people uh, talk a lot about how important it is to be bored. Adam Carolla had a podcast with Bill Maher where he talked about how important it was that they were bored in their youth because that's when a lot of creativity started flowing out. And I think that there there is a similar thing happening with pornography. So would you say, Shannon, that maybe Gling does have a point here as far as pornography being harmful, not just in terms of somebody handling it or not but in terms of the sheer amount of people that have succumbed to uh being addicted to it i think it's multifaceted because i think that any um activity that you're doing that's going to in that's going to cause you to be increasingly isolated um isn't a good one for you for sure right 
and and everybody's individual experience is valuable and valid. Like it's important to not be dismissive of that and just go, oh, porn's good a hundred percent of the time for everybody. Like that's a that's a horrible way to engage in this topic. It's a non-nuanced way to, to look at this. So any activity that causes you to become increasingly isolated is bad. What what I think I'm maybe struggling with, and maybe it's the metaphysical thing that you were talking about, is why there's this sort of special category where you say this particular thing is not only bad like the rest, but is the worst. And is not only the worst way of like engaging in isolation-based activities that kind of sate your dopamine hunger, but has a special category onto itself that makes it uniquely bad and also somehow circularly potentially the cause. Well, because I think to answer your question, like it goes to the question of value in terms of how you place human sexuality in terms of, is it a natural chemical biological function, which yes, it is. But is it something that speaks to the heart of, um, let's say, either a psyche or an essence or something that is deeply related to our development (laughs) and as um, (laughs) like a developed collectively as a species. And so yeah, milk. Oh yeah. That joke in my head. Um, (laughs) I think the difference with porn and other drugs is because other drugs have a very one, one to one relation to affecting brain chemistry and producing certain effects. I mean, with psychedelics, we get in the debate whether there's some kind of spiritual component to it, but like that's the side issue. Yeah. I think that when it comes to typical um, stimulants, especially, mm-hmm. um, they have a very one-dimensional relationship, right? I mean, some people they some people report that it enhances certain creative aspects and so forth, and it can act as it an enhancement. But that's you know whatever. But when it comes to pornography, I think it's because of its ideational content that is deeply related to something that is very like um, foundational within the human experience, which is sexuality. I think that pornography, um, well, first of all, in, in some ways, it's a cultural dead zone in the sense that when you really think of it, it's a pure utilitarian function that is divorced from its original context and how it was created within eroticism and erotica. Erotic literature and so forth was in itself a form of aesthetic and artwork that had narrative and had creativity and so forth. But pornography is really like the terminus end of action and creativity. I think what Glink was saying but also, I don't. I doubt that it's just the underlying cause of why people cope, or why porn becomes copium. Because I think that, copium. Yeah, I know it's. I'm it's, too old to understand what that means. Okay. Rumor <laughs> posting now. Um, I copium. think that pornography, um, it it creates desires just as much as it informs desires that are already there. Now there are some forms of what we would consider deviant or maladaptive or fetishistic or paraphilic behavior that is as old as time itself right like i mean certain forms of bondage and so forth but there is something about um the modern uh like late capitalist mass production pornography that creates desires that we consider maladaptive just as much as it preys upon the underlying thing that is there what do in you my point, in my opinion. So I heard a couple of things in there that are interesting. So the first thing that I heard was that you feel as though, and correct me if I'm wrong, and this is just this is the way I received what you said, that um, 
sexuality is an important part of individual identity. And just individual identity. I mean, there, it, it's an important part, I think, of uh, being human, humanity in general. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so important part of individual identity and humanity in general. And the way that pornography these days is, is another thing that I'm hearing because it doesn't seem like you have like an issue with its instantiations throughout history. It's, it's more so the current, current yeah, instantiation. Yeah, because throughout history, it was deeply tied to eroticism, which in itself had... And now you um, see it has more perversion or kink. and Not just perversion and kink, but also even what we consider vanilla, the way that it um, is a pure sort of um, function of a particular type of production. It's not, it's not something... Because you really can't place it. Is it art? Is it uh, okay, content I'm, and so yeah. forth, right? It's, I think this will tie the science back into it. Okay. Yeah. Wrong. I don't think there is any single activity of barring uh, in taking a substance, like an activity where you're just, just use in a sober mind state that is as stimulating, as captivating neurologically as watching pornography. Is that not the case? Um, it depends on what you mean by stimulating and captivating. Uh, but from an activation and brain regions standpoint, meditation does a lot more for your brain in activating multiple regions simultaneously okay. than viewing pornography does. Um, and exercise is actually something that activates multiple brain regions mm. and physiological reasons. It activates your proprioception, multiple brain regions, motor functions. Um, as, and if you and if you're exercising while you're listening to something, even better. <laughs> okay. So yeah. Um, so I guess it depends on what you mean. Well, I mean in terms of things I can access right here from my computer sitting in my chair. The most stimulating thing I can do is pull so up. So you're talking up. just about things that you can view? Yes. Mm. Well, okay, no, so I, I, I think it's not, just, not just viewing. I think it's more, uh, I don't want to step on Glink's point here, but I think you're talking about how pornography is something you can do with a lot of ease. While exercising and meditation, it takes actual effort. While this is something that anybody could do. Anybody could just go online, find it instantly. Children. Well, that's a, that, that speaks towards the parents not being capable of curating their children's online mm. experiences. I disagree. But, but it's not just so you, wait, wait, I, I want to see why, why Gling disagrees. Because, I I'm, I'm a parent, so I want to hear this. Yes. <laughs> well, because there's all this, people always say, and I've heard this for literally 10 years, because um, mm -hmm. this happens with everything, with games, with uh 4chan with porn it's like well where i don't know what for <laughs> you like, will soon the, the, the oh. you've got a son so you'll know what 4chan is soon enough uh oh okay <laughs> no, i don't know i don't know lev that that sounds like reddit terror no no i'm gonna well he he <laughs> he reads mangas uh, anyway oh maybe i mean 4chan is the the place to go for mangas. sorry sorry glink i, I want to hear i want to yeah. finish your point sorry i didn't mean to derail it i just didn't know what 4chan no, was <gasps> The prescriptive response is always, where are the parents? But that fails to acknowledge that where is the... Where do I even start with this point? Hold on. Let me let me gather myself here. Mm -hmm. And everybody subscribe. <laughs> Who's listening, subscribe while Glink is gathering his point. Patreon.com slash break the rules. The parents are competing with the internet. The parents are competing with who the kid watches on YouTube, on Twitch, where they spend their time. And increasingly, where people spend their time is in the online digital world, where 
parents have no authority, autonomy, or control, short of being like literally a, a tyrant in their child's life, controlling, micromanaging everything, which would probably create bigger problems than just letting them be free anyways. Um, short of that, it's, it's insane to expect a parent to like somehow have the perfect way of communicating to their child without being too strict that they should never access porn and the child is just going to believe them. Or something to that effect. And I just do this. Give me your phone. <laughs> sure. <laughs> then I take it away. But what I'm saying is there's always going to be ways around it. And there's an increasing number of ways around it. Like, for example, to, to just tie it to my own experience. And I, and I think this is where this conversation. Twitch streamers. So what's your Twitch alternative? Is your alternative. No, this is this is, I think, an important. So what what would be your alternative that the entire Internet environment be curated to a point that. No, everything I, that's available yeah. is only something that can be viewed by children. No, that seems, I, so what's what's the what's the I, alternative then? The alternative. Well, I'm just advocating for a belief in some sort of basic morality. I'm not I'm not saying there should be anything done. I'm not saying any laws, any censorship. I'm just saying I don't like porn because it's bad, because it's destructive, because it's harmful, because it's spiritual poison. And I believe that and I have reasons for believing that. And if more people believe that, then more people will do something rather than just think it's normal and healthy to jerk off to porn every night and live so, in their fucking cave by themselves. You know? Do you think that that means that caves. porn should yeah. porn is something that like should be purged and like shouldn't be available? So that, that it just shouldn't into, be. I'm not big into should or shouldn't be in terms of actions on a mass scale. I'm more into. So you're just advocating to convince more people to hold your position and avoid it. I'm advocating for people to believe that there is some value to their sexual desires and imagination beyond uh self gratifying oh i agree That's i agree with that well then i think that we agree <laughs> no no so i think porn should be made harder to access because uh the ubiquity of porn is actually ironically enough been the most uh detriment from a totally artistic perspective i mm. think that it's been the most detrimental to it it's mass availability because the sort of proletarianization and the sort of like this like, you know, bourgeois morality just being destroyed for now porn becomes this sort of uh, everyday kitschy thing, you know, subscribe to my OnlyFans. I think that uh, that really when porn was like seen as edgy and limited and uh, bit a bit of the cutting edge, if you will. I think that is when you had <laughs> a bit more. <laughs> it's not cool. That's the point. No, it's, it's not, not cool, cool anymore. It's yeah. terrible. So yeah. is your argument that when it when it was something that was scarce and difficult to when access, it was, scarce, it was more titillating? It was yeah. more interesting was and now it's just magazines far too in the readily woods. available. So it's like it's become boring to the yeah. point that it's habit oh, yeah. forming. I mean, we could also and discuss then, the ethical issues as well. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, basically. But I, I still want to keep it while Shannon is here. I want to keep it to, oh, shoot, to the I brain. I have to leave soon. I'm so sorry. Oh, well, let me also soon. well let me also check with Nina Paley. Okay, Nina needs to ask a question, so I'm gonna bring Nina in right now. Okay, and this hi. has been a fascinating conversation. Uh, Glink, Shannon, Geo, I appreciate it. It's All lovely right. to talk to you guys. Thank yeah, you for. It's great to talk with you. As it well. was nice to meet you, Glink, and and it was great to I talk to you. So do it again. Absolutely. We'll see. This is what I want to stress on break the rules, and everybody's 
subscribe, by the way, is that we can have streams that are very chaotic and everybody's hating on each other, and we could also have streams where even though we may disagree on certain things, we can come together and speak like reasonable adults. And I think both are important things to have. I like this uh, stream here, and I really appreciate you guys being here. So I sent Nina the StreamYard link, and while Nina is doing that, I also want to say, oh, here we go, Nina's here. I just want to say patreon.com slash break the rules. You know me with the Patreon. So here we go. I am bringing Nina in. Nina, make sure that the uh, audio is not picking up here because I hear. Oh, there we go. I just turned it off and my, my other machine was doing things. Surround sound. Yeah. Okay, so you, you specifically asked for a neuroscience question. So uh, listening to this conversation, viewing porn is different from these other things that give people pleasure because viewing porn from those that do it is reinforced with an orgasm and people generally don't i mean maybe y'all do but not always. Like when they play video games i don't think orgasm is a big you know is a crucial part of a video game or various other pleasure Things. people do i don't know have you seen a call of duty, a call of duty yeah i know i know i know is, um, that, is that a statement or a question so well, I'm, quest, I'm just wondering what you want is, me to contribute <laughs> no what i want you to contribute is as a as a neuroscientist oh, i'm not a neuroscientist by trade i i don't do that for a living by the way so i just want to make sure that that is very clear okay I so what, what you stop okay so have I you read... i have a degree but i don't that's not what i do for a living okay have you... it's an important distinction i don't want people thinking that i'm acting it's important sorry yeah let me interrupt you uh so are you know what orgasms are different than other kinds of reinforcements for behaviors and can you talk a little bit about about that process about the the physical process of of orgasm and and what it does to the brain and what it does to learning and reinforcement and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So um, a couple things initially is viewing porn doesn't automatically give you an orgasm. I, I know. I know that. But let's let's be realistic but about the people. That that's the goal. That's the goal. That, the goal. that is what you are attempting to do usually. And it's going to give you a massive like dopamine flush. So if you're talking about learning reinforcement, we can go back to, to habit formation. So there's systems in your brain that I mentioned. I, I think I brought them up earlier. There's, there's, a, there's a series of systems called the basal ganglia. So the basal ganglia exists in the midbrain. And the reason that the basal ganglia exists is to activate and kind of communicate with um, your motor cortex. And your motor cortex is super active when it comes to an orgasm. It's going to involve a few of your motor functions, right? Like your, your clitoris or your penis are part of your motor system, right? So activating them and getting them all excited is part of your motor cortex. So you're going to flush your brain with dopamine and your system is saying essentially, we like this, your motor system's getting activated, they're communicating back and forth. Now this is where the striatum come in. So the striatum has a couple of different individual components. One of the components in the striatum is called the putamen. Uh, and the putamen is what kind of like mitigates the uh, the like the patamen in with the, the rest of the basal ganglia mitigate your sense of volition towards an action. So, do you know what I mean when I say like volition towards an action? 
like that you want to do it, like you're actively pursuing doing this thing. So if you have an orgasm, it's going to give you a bit more dopamine than you would usually get. And it's going to reinforce certain areas so you know what's pleasurable to you. So that tells your brain that this is the part I like touch. These are the things I like to see when it's touched. This is the type of area I want to be in. Um, and it's going to, it's going to, incorporate that through the system of the basal ganglia, which is incorporated with your prefrontal cortex into your hippocampus. And that's going to form a memory that says in this set of circumstances, I like this thing and it gives me this reaction. Now that can have a point of diminishing returns. So like when we talked about habit formation and like the bad side of these things, it can have a point of diminishing returns where it gets harder to have an orgasm or you become sort of desensitized and they're less intense than they previously previously were because you, you now have this habit formation that's caused your brain to go into autopilot mode. You're not getting as much of that dopamine flush. It's harder to have an orgasm now. Um, so if you're talking about it from a reward perspective, it will activate that reward center. If, if I, I think intuitively, we all think to ourselves, well, we like orgasms. They're great, right? Like we want an orgasm. The orgasms are awesome. So obviously that's a better kind of reward. But from a chemical perspective, it's the same sort of chemicals that are going in, like the dopamine's producing and saying, we like this, woo, motor centers are activating. So I guess there's a little bit more of that. We're forming a memory around it. And then our serotonin flushes in when we're done and says, okay, we're satiated. That was good. We can go back to stasis now. Um, maybe that's a little bit more intense from a physiological perspective than other rewards. Um, so if that's what you mean, and from a reinforcement perspective, it might lead you towards wanting that again because you have that physiological sensation along with the dopamine flushing um, that you can remember and easily elicit. Uh, but I don't know that you would want to necessarily quantify it um, as the best reward or a better reward than some other types of rewards because that's all going to depend on your individual volition and the function towards the goal that you're attending to, to achieve and what that means to you. I don't know if that's a good enough answer. No, but that's okay. Okay. <laughs> no, but, it, but I think I, I think... tried. Well, wait, wait. I, I want to make sure Nina gets uh, her, uh, her, her point here. I, so. Sure. No, I, 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 I asked a question and I, I probably should talk to a neuroscientist. Yeah, um, no, I'm not a neuroscientist. I that, am a hobbyist yeah. with a degree in the field. And I just, it's super mm. important that I make that distinction. No, but Chan is a very Everybody smart hobbyist. Everybody should go look up all of this stuff themselves too. Don't think anything that I say at face value. Go look up the source. I'm a huge source methodology proponent. Go look up the source material. I may have made a mistake. This is live. Correct me if I'm mm. wrong. That's super important. Don't just listen to talking heads. Go find the source material if you're interested. Mm. Read it yourself. Go find the science. Well, before I go back to Glink, I wanted to ask Nina, from listening to this conversation, is there anything you think we did not cover? Is there anything that you think about the pornography question that you would want to uh, express? Oh, the whole is porn destructive? Yes, there's mostly stuff you didn't cover. I mean... This ended up being a conversation mostly about uh, uh, naming chemical processes, which I don't really think is but, uh, yeah, what that's this what is I mean. about. Uh, we didn't talk about the Oh, I'm sorry. That's, we that's why I was yeah. asked here. No, no, no. That's true. Right. No, 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 no. You, Shannon, you did your... That's what you're here to talk about, right? Yes. But the question is bigger than that, right? The question oh, for sure. is porn destructive. The, you know, the, the aspect of it that you're talking about is not going to answer that question. 
Um, it's you need it's a, a theologist tiny little. Well, not a theologist. There's a lot of other. There, it's a it's a much much bigger issue. So to answer your question, Lev, no, I mean I I don't think this this barely scratches anything. Uh, there's the image of women. There's the cultural perceptions of women and men. There's uh, you know, ideas that people get about sex is how they learn about sex. Uh, there's the fact that porn is is made by people, that people are surrendering to media that is made by people who are not them, that they're not having direct experience and that they are willingly, uh, they are willingly opening an intimate part of themselves to external control from just complete strangers and people with, uh, you know, profit of all kinds of motives that you wouldn't necessarily want. Um, and that's, that's just a few things, but mm. you know, the whole radical but, feminist. Exactly. No, but I think these huge. things may, maybe this is on the tangent, but I still think maybe these things can relate to how the brain processes. Listen, these. Sin is a form of slavery. That is my I got it. Like all the things that uh, Nina, Paul, uh, okay. Shannon, all the things that Nina mentioned right now, would you be able to draw any connection to how the brain works with those things? Or do you see these as being societal problems completely separate from the uh, brain chemistry science? Well, I can talk, like I said, I could talk all day about how the brain reacts to perceptual content. Um, whether or not porn uh, portrays how porn portrays women, I could probably talk towards that as a woman, um, and have and my, what my individual perspective as a woman is. And I think that there's probably things Nina and I might agree on uh, regarding how pornography portrays women or how the industry treats women. Uh, but those are issues from my perspective. Um, of, of informed consent and better representation, uh, not necessarily saying that porn in and of itself is bad, but maybe how it's currently being created and portrayed and who it's being marketed to needs to have uh, a closer look and maybe that paradigm and dynamic need to change. But mm. that I, could, I could, maybe we'd agree on more than we'd disagree with there. Who mm. knows? It's a very, it's a big thing, but um, yeah. people it's not who are something critical. I frequently talk about. So this is yeah. just, I was well, asked to talk about brain yes. stuff and porn. So, and I yeah. definitely appreciate okay. it, but, uh, <laughs> but Glink, I know that Shannon, you have to go soon, but Glink, is I there do. any final question? I really appreciate you being here. Is there any final question you want to ask Shannon, uh, related more to the brain? Something that I think, uh, may, something that you think may not have been covered yet. Well, I, I think, I mean, I learned in some class at some point at maybe psychology or something about how orgas an orgasm is the highest there's like some scale of pleasure and it's like eating a cheeseburger is X amount of this. And then watching a TV show is this and orgasm is the highest that people can naturally, I'm sure like maybe heroin is more, but porn is the hot or sorry, not porn. Orgasm is the highest pleasure one can naturally experience. Um, there could potentially and, be the case. I'd have to look at it. You might be right. And if, and well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically because that's intuitively think, seems correct to me. Mm-hmm. And I, the way I think about it is like, well, if that's the case, and if porn is often tied, like I said, it's this activity because it's tied to orgasming, uh, you know, not in every case, of course, but I think mm -hmm. predominantly, especially it's for the goal, it's a goal, right. And um, 
Well, yeah. So I, I view that as like, you know, certainly something that can be, uh, that needs to be examined and looked at on a societal scale, not just on an individualist. On, on the scale so, of like, like as a, as a motivational factor towards consumption. Uh, yeah. I, well, as, as a, mo as a, um, as a cultural impact, I mean, how does it affect relationships? How does it I would pay money for someone to research the cultural impact of orgasms just in general? <laughs> or are we only talking porn induced orgasms? Porn induced orgasms, sure. What do you what what are you doing it publicly? So I don't understand what the cultural impact is. Like what do you do you mean the cultural impact the orgasm has a well go ahead. Uh, if your orgasms are so strong, they have cultural impact, then someone <laughs> should study you <laughs> specifically. No, no, but the orgasm itself has formed culture for millennia. You know? It's mm. not uh, my orgasm in specific. It's <laughs> the phenomenon of millions of people, millions of men, young men, every night or frequently have watching porn and then orgasming. What does that do for the scene of dating what does that do for people's relationships to one another is what it is the combination of those two because i'm pretty sure masturbation it, existed before like, wide range pornography uh, well, it did but i bet masturbation has increased tenfold since the per pervasiveness of pornography i'd be interested yeah, to see if that's that. the case i, I don't Listen, know only are, in the wild measuring that's interesting in the wild only monkeys masturbate when they're in captivity in zoos they don't masturbate outside mm. of Captain. That is a so fact of it. that I've only had so access to are, at this moment. <laughs> we are being spiritually cocked by the modern world. Mm. You should, Shane, well, there, you should there read was, Bronze there, Age mindset. Yeah, there was that, that thing that be... uh, that Sonny was talking about in relation to the uh, <laughs> he, masturbating. He uh, bath, yeah. yeah. Well, the masturbating, uh, not monkeys, but the orangutans. Uh, they yeah, were talking yeah, about how orangutans only masturbate in captivity. That's right. Mm -hmm. And how they're the ones that did not develop the uh, flanges that the male alpha orangutans are supposed oh, to yeah, develop. The flanges, yeah, right. so there was a whole whole lore about the flanges. But I want to quickly get to the super chats because there's a couple of super chats for Shannon here before Shannon before oh. you go. Here, I no. do have to duck out like very soon. I'm like, uh, oh, my... okay. Well, here, here we go. Okay, so okay. first this one's for Geo. Tux loves you. Two dollars. Come home, Italian man. We will find you a lady yet. And this one over well, here he is... Well, he is Mormon, so, I mean, that's... That yes. Work. Well, more men. You know, anyway, more <laughs> men. Uh, Jenna uh, Trinaden, 199. Ancient Greeks had porn. Shannon wins. Well, I mean, I guess it's really how you define porn. Like, Gling's definition they would be erotica, this... They Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, Jesus Saves, 499. As a Christian, I think Shannon made a lot of sense... And I think it's an individual thing. I mean, this probably is the big disagreement well, that. Well, uh, I'll disagree with you, but yeah. Uh, that, you know, well, no, this is a point that I was making I earlier. I never that, make sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're perfect. I mean, is this is this something that if enough people have this uh, addiction, that we could say that this is an objective bad? I think we're all kind of on the same page about that, at least. That if enough people have this and if and it's addictive, then it can be said to be objectively bad, and it would be better if they spent their time doing something else. Although I remember you did say one thing about, or write one thing about there being some, I don't know if you said creativity in porn or some, that there was some good quality that you saw in porn. I don't want to keep you, but if you could make the case for one good thing about porn, what would it be, Shannon? Oh, a good thing about porn would probably be that it, uh, actually I see it as kind of like amoral. So 
a good thing about porn would be that it allows people to sate themselves and maybe explore components of their sexuality that they wouldn't otherwise uh, be exposed to or be familiar with. And it could potentially normalize things that in a, an informed consensual environment that they would have otherwise um, not seen as being okay, or it was portrayed to them in their social environment that it wasn't okay. Like I'm bisexual, for example, and being able to see two women um, being together in a porn environment helped to teach me that, oh, okay, like this is okay. Like there are other people that do this and like that's fine. So it helped to kind of like inform me. Mm. It also, no, if you no, if done correctly, <laughs> that's bad. It's ba Shannon, no, no, no. I see. I, totally I see the uh, I see the gears turning in Nina's head. I I really gotta let <laughs> Nina say some. I know if you have anything to say. Oh I know. no, no, Shannon okay. is absolutely correct. Oh. Like that is absolutely something that porn does. It's just we disagree on how much of a good that is because there's yeah. a lot of paraphilias that are a burden to the people that have the paraphilias and young men in particular, they're very vulnerable, uh, male sexuality in my experience. And this has been reinforced by things that I've read male sexuality, men get stuck, uh, in stuff that they see and think when they're like 13 and 14, and it never goes away. Women change a lot more sexually over the course of our lives. But having been with a number of men, uh, I mean, anecdotally, I can say like, yeah, they're very, very hung up on whatever turned them on when they were 14. And so that the fact that there are these 14 year old boys uh, exposed to the fantasies and productions of adult men who don't have their best interests at heart has led to the creation of paraphilias that are very difficult for these men to live with. Very difficult. I've been talking more to autogynophiles recently, and that is a really tough paraphilia to live with, and it doesn't go away. And it's, it's so difficult to live with that some of these men uh, they opt for castration. Uh, it, and, you know, they, it, it's, it's rough. So, um, you, you know, talking about is, trans women? I'm talking about autogynophiles. Some of whom, oh, some of that's whom. That's the third rail. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I, I do have to go. It's not because of that, but, but, <laughs> but I do have to go. Well, it's because of that. <laughs> well, I mean. That's, That's another debate for another time. I yeah, it's another debate. But anyway, it's it's a tough one to live with. It's it's like not easy. And if and... you get a firm in care, it's not that difficult to live with so long as society, the society around them is affirming and not attempting. I am I'm going to go. Okay. <laughs> it was a lovely conversation. Shannon, thank you so much for coming in. Have a Where... good day. Y you too. Thank you. Everybody. See you See ya. Everybody yeah. subscribe to Shannon. Man, that was and like that a... is the problem with Libertine. Uh, no, no, Shannon right was there. great. I, I, she I don't want to. Very good. Yes. She's, yes. But we she could see a... if the conversation went longer, then we would have seen what happens. But anyways. Yeah, no, that, that was a very, no, that was a very interesting conversation. And I'm very thankful for Shannon uh, being here with us and Glink as well. She I wanna... tipped out at the right time in my opinion. <laughs> Yes, I uh, I want to make sure, by the way, that before before we go, that Nina, that you have a chance to uh, talk about 
Well, first of all, what you did not have a chance to talk about in relation to this conversation, you listened to uh, Glink and Shannon talk about it. Now, regardless of all the brain stuff, Glink is much more spiritual when it comes to why he sees pornography being a problem. You, despite making a lot of movies that are, I'd say, very spiritual, you know, in terms of their subject matter, you are an atheist. And I'm curious, what is the difference here then between your two perspectives on uh, pornography? Well, I, I mean, you can be an atheist and have spiritual inclinations. Uh, I really think that the healthiest way to regard sex is that it is a mystery. And uh, I was raised very, you know, with very liberal pro-sex ed parents in the 70s. Um, and it's funny that I hear people sort of redoing this. Uh, that people seem to have these ideals of like, tell kids about all sex and everything, and it's all great, yep. and it's all so healthy, and any kind of sexual expression is healthy, and that's what I was raised with. And you Give them funny pills. And, and that's and, uh, what I, uh, you know, acted on in my youth, and with some hindsight, I have, I have no real answers. Repression is no fun either, but I can say that there's a, there's a kind of idealism of libertinism with sex, that uh, did not, in spite of the best intentions of myself and the people who raised me with these ideals, it did not make my life good or easier. And in hindsight, I am just like, this is a mystery. There is a reason uh, that people treat it with fear and reverence. Uh, I don't think any particular approach, nobody has figured it out in terms of the best approach, but I used to really mock people as being uh, prudish or repressed. And I, I understand better why people are like that. I mean, you can say that a, a benefit of repression is, you know, repressed people, when they learn about sexuality, they learn about it firsthand and they get to have their own original experience of it. And, that's really important because if you have a secondhand experience of sex that that kind of affects you forever and that's not right uh it should be yours mm. um no but also for like yourself it, like even just the the predication of like worth around like that final uh orgasm i was i was listening to um i was listening to my friend yana's podcast um, yana's papas no no on twitter yana her, her it's called hate fiction her podcast mm. And uh, she had a Neko girl on, you know, runs that magazine. Oh, of course. We, had, we had Neko girl on once. We should bring 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 her back. Again. Yeah. Um, they were talking about like how it's weird that like the only quantifiable aspect of like porn enjoyment and like market testing is the orgasm, obviously. Although the orgasm, like Link was saying, has like a number of like different cultural components, but it's very like indicative of like the sort of uniquely American, like quantity brain, like efficiency maxing mindset mm. where it's like real sexuality. Not that I would fucking know uh, for obvious reasons. Cause you know, I'm an incel virgin loser. Oh. Um, you're, no, real you're sexual, loser. real sexual experience. It's like, it's an integral experience with, with the partner and the orgasm Throughout human history as well, when it comes to the literature around sexuality, when it comes to the art around sexuality, 
like the orgasm is not like the sum total like i have to achieve this goal of like orgasming it's rather the sort of experience in the ex the state of a uh, erogenous ecstasy that you're engaging with another person but so but like the thing is with pornography like there are people who like try to do this where they have quote unquote like female choice or ethical porn but like really you can't do it because this very like business model framework of like why people use pornography and why people why pornography has become like the sum total cultural production, even though in my opinion, I think it's very much anti-culture. Mm. It's like orgasm is everything because you can't really simulate that same experience of sexuality. Like you can kind of with eroticism and erotic um, artwork, but like when it comes to pornography as pornography, as we understand it in the digital age, it's like orgasm has to be that thing or else like, mm. you know, well, there was and a, there the female was... orgasm is fake, by the way. It is hysteria. Doesn't yeah. exist. No, I'm kidding. I'm there kidding. was a good comment, by the way, from glass cake. Anyone else notice? Does shift? the female orgasm exist? Actually, I'm kidding. Let, let, let finish. Please. <laughs> Anyone else notice the shift of people being ashamed of sharing their pornographic interests on Twitter to straight up online exhibitionism. So that was a comment mm. from glass cake, you know, wonderful viewer of the show, regular guest. So, uh, I'm noticing that, a lot too where it does start to become a lot more like just a working thing it's not so much about the mystery like uh, nina said and it does feel like if we're exposed to so many things then where is the magic where is the whole reason for discovering different things it's like we end up getting sp we end up getting spoiled like we know how the game ends and i think that that makes the world a lot less magical but a uh, glink what is your experience growing up? Why are you in this particular mindset? You were going around different comic cons, I believe, talking to people about NoFap. And what was the vibe that you got from them? So those, those would be the two questions. How you were brought up and what you got from talking to a lot of these people at these uh, comic conventions. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, the first thing I want to say, uh, I thankful you brought on Nina because she put some, she put some words there that uh, she put some things into words that I don't always have the, I don't always say, but like direct experience is a good way to put it because it is something it's like, I think maybe this is a little dramatic, but I think it robs people of direct experience. You know, it denies the direct experience and shows there's an easy outlet for this amazing direct experience. It's not just watching somebody travel, watching somebody eat food. It's watching somebody and getting secondhand enjoyment through a self-gratifying action of one of the most intense, if not the most intense emotions, feelings. I mean, this is why people live is to love other people, to be in relationships and yeah, to have sex. But that is not this, you know, this isolated feel good chemical. It's part of this process. And I think when it's isolated through these mediums and through the culture of using these mediums as that it becomes it reflects throughout the rest of society as well now sex in general is now this more commodified uh isolated experience rather than part of this loving yeah. relationship you know but um so that's great i mean i'm glad you kind of just opened opened my eyes to to like different ways to even talk about it but uh, you asked me, you know, well, let me tell you this. I'll tell you my experience and like also just kind of experience of other people, because the reason I find this topic so interesting is because 
it's going to be it's already a big topic but it's go only going to get bigger as gen z gets older as they come to terms with their sexuality and uh how they they came to form their sexual identities and expressions and desires and i think it would you, you wouldn't be surprised to find that many of them are informed partially or uh maybe even mostly by pornography that they consumed either as uh children or teenagers or or whatever and that's exactly my experience which i don't think is uncommon i first my first time orgasming was watching porn on the Wii internet channel you know not even a smartphone it's like even and, and this is also like back to the parents thing it's like well where are the parents like okay i don't blame my parents for not supervising me using the Wii in my room when i was 14 you know it's like that's not a parent's problem it's a problem of pervasiveness of pornography i to put it one way but um you know, consumer sexuality is fucking abysmal if you look statistics right <laughs> but of course yeah. shannon would say that that's perfect and wonderful that's that. good yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't know. I don't think she'd say that. Sorry, but, no, okay. sorry I cut you off. Yeah, well, I, it's I, basically just from my experiences, people I've talked with, people I've been with, uh, younger people, it's like this is not a foreign concept to them, is, is, you know, this warped perception of the self, of the sexual side of oneself and their sexual desires, and also just like how much power that porn has over them. These are conversations I have all the time. I've interviewed people. I've, I've you know, I, my friends, myself. Uh, it's not like this is becoming more of a normal thing. And I hate to like make this a generational gap, but I've noticed the people online and otherwise who have a problem like conceptualizing how big of a deal this is didn't grow up with access to pornography in this way. And they view it now as like, well, like, like Nina was saying, I, I think there is something to in your formative years when you're exposed to it it's it's like i've never had an orgasm before and i just had this this immense rush of feel good stuff and it was while watching two people fuck like that's not there's nothing about that that's natural or uh healthy in my opinion and that's a common that's only getting more common so i don't know if that answers yeah. your thing but that's kind of why i see this as an important but even thing. even like seeing two people fuck in like a room like if you're a voyeur that's obviously I think like voyeurism is again one of those fetishes that are older. It's, yeah, it's older time itself, but yeah. there's something different about like peering, yep. like being a cuck in the cuck in the hotel cuck chair, as opposed to like watching a guy being cocked in the hotel cuck chair. Yes, yeah. Yeah. By the way, for twenty dollars, let's. Go. I'm doing the PPP mm. thing. Twenty dollars, go in the dark. I'm not going to repeat what what else Terry Davis said in that clip, but you know what I mean. Mm. Oh, the another another great comment mm. from Glass Cake. And by the way, more super chats. We got a twenty dollars super chat coming yeah, in that I'll say sweet. later. But uh, Glass Cake, I read his comments for free just because I love Glass Cake so much. So he says, "My first exposure was torrenting porn and putting it on my PSP." Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> that's so zoom. There we go. But, spe go. but speaking of that uh, Zoomer culture, so Glink, when you were, the second part of my question is, when you were attending all these different comic conferences and you were speaking to people about NoFap and things of that nature, uh -oh. what, did you, what did you pick up on what is going on okay. with, this, uh, with this next generation? Okay. okay, hold on, wait. Here's what happened. I went to Comic-Con and they had a comedy, open mic comedy night, and I went there and I just kind of... It was kind of meant to be a joke. I was talking Did about you do the no Sam Hyde app. thing where you like, yeah, I was trying to do yeah. a Sam Hyde thing, but I was not <laughs> as successful. Um, 
I did go to AVN, the porn convention, though, with a NoFap shirt. Mm. I did do that. But that was, I mean, <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. You know what was interesting about it? I interviewed porn stars, and some of them were like, yeah, like they were, they were kind of understanding. They were like, yeah, I've been with guys where this has been a problem. You know, I've been in relationships where the guy clearly had a porn addiction or he had some sort of, uh, you know, he just had some f- sexual frustration that. Which porn stars blank? Do you know them? The names? I don't even, they were like D list. Like, <laughs> oh, they're not like, yeah, Corey, no, they're not like Corey chase level type. You know. Yeah. And then one of them was Lisa, like, Lisa like very, it was almost as if like she was trying to protect her career or her industry. Cause she was like, what? Like she was like, so <laughs> that anybody could possibly view it as a negative. She's like, what are you talking? I don't know anything about that. She was just like playing dumb. I don't, maybe not, but um, yeah, that was mostly, I mean, you know, what's also interesting is uh, <laughs> I don't know what to make. I honestly don't have any experience with, and I don't know what to make of hentai and stuff, but that's a whole nother. That's like, that is like comic con, like anime expo. Like you will see people, I mean, online, on Twitter, just whatever, just refresh your Twitter page, you'll see it all over it, right? Mm. I don't know what the deal, hentai is like a different level of, I can't decide if it's more or less degenerate, but it's something. It's pl- I, from what I understand, this is what weebs have told me. It's like the platonic form of womanhood to them. Mm. That's why well, the anime girl is like so captivated, especially for the political right. Like it's the like, the anime girl is like every sort of um, externality of like what womanhood has also, become in the modern world is like gone. With okay. Like this oh man. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. The eyes of the ideal anime waifu are a void of the gaping. Let me read you. I'm going to find you an, an old Maya quote. I have the Maya archive. Oh, man. I will find you. But before that, Nina, answer my question. Does the female orgasm exist? Oh, God. And is it not just hysteria that has destroyed civilizations? By Gio, it, Gio it, it doesn't exist. Oh, see, I knew <laughs> it. Worry. I knew it. Yeah. Now, Nina, you, now, Nina you, can, uh, you can draw your... <laughs> Nina, you can draw your own hentai. I mean, you have drawn naked women, you know, naked cartoon oh. women in the past. What do you notice, like, in the animation... Well, I don't know. How much are you even a part of, like, the animation community, animation sphere? Like, do you notice that there is this, uh, let's say, attraction to this platonic form of... You know, Bill Plimpton likes to draw, you know, sexy uh, ladies, so... And he's I, a totally... He's a great, outstanding guy. No, not Clinton. Plimpton. Plimpton. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wait, Glink, you've never heard of Bill Plimpton before? Bill Plimpton is an amazing uh, independent animator. He's done a you know, prolific amount of work doing all these independent films. And uh, Nina, oh, you, you've known Bill for a long time, right? Yeah, and everyone likes drawing sexy ladies. I yeah. like it. Dudes yeah. like it. I, I think, um, yeah. you know, you look at ancient art. And there's lots of sexy ladies in ancient art. Um, right now, I'm having to design a not having. I've chosen to design a character, the scapegoat queen. Mm. And I'm like, what's her body like? And it's like, well, she's a queen, and you know, she should be beautiful and fertile like all the mythical queens. But you know, I'm also thinking like I'm an angry, menopausal, almost 54 year old scapegoat, and since this is, you know, about me and reconciling with my role as a scapegoat uh, in 
in these fucking animation and comics communities, not to mention the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm like, do I want to like keep doing these, you know, beautiful fertile ones or do I want to make something that's like, I don't know, different, but mm. regardless, uh, I think, I mean, I, the, the so-called male gaze is so widespread and we all learn it from media when you're a woman and you're drawing female forms i at least i'm like i don't know if this is internalized male gaze or if this is like uh joy of the female form from the inside you know trying to express that i i don't know i don't know if i ever yeah will. berger did a massive disservice to uh ironically enough tired and aesthetics by demonizing the milkies in my opinion mm. that's but i think i think this would be a good time to bring in the apocalypse animation and tie it together with pornography if that is possible <laughs> to do in yeah! some way oh, yeah. so okay that's well right yeah so book of revelation uh geo you're the resident catholic here you're the expert so would you be able to thread together the the bridge from pornography to book of the Re revelation Oh, fuck, I could do that. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, Nina, do yeah. it. Well, we could say pornography is a sign of the apocalypse, as is everything else in modern culture. Exactly. Uh, okay, sign but of the how, apocalypse isn't necessarily you... bad, but there's the yeah. whole whore of Babylon. The, the, so I don't know if you can bring well, it's up... Well, the sowing of sexual yes, iniquity. I'm going much... to bring everything up here yeah. on, uh, on the screen over here. And I don't let's... know if it's sexual iniquity. So um, the... The story of Revelation itself, I think, is what some people call revenge porn. You should go to apocalypseanimated.com. Yeah, that's no, what I'm no, doing that's right. Scapegoat queen. Wait, wait, hold on one second. Uh, okay. I have, by the way, I have the Maya threads from uh, ancient, long time ago. Um, so you want me to read this absolute kino, Lev? Oh, uh, one second. Let me go into All the right. Apocalypse Animated. Okay, so this is the Apocalypse Animated site. You see yep. over here? Where would you like me to go, Nina? Chapter 17, The Whore of Babylon. All right, here we go. Check yeah. it out. Oh! Uh, well, since we're talking about porn and whores, and it is. It's the abyss. She's got the abyss there. Now, it's very much Freudian, like, in, in the sense that the propagation, or well, even more Jungian, where the propagation of the life hole is also the end of humanity. The feminine is the alpha omega, like Shivic, uh, like destroyer within the book of revelation. So wow, this yeah. is interesting. Well, is um, I, had, right? I, I read a Jungian analysis of the book of revelation where he described the whore of Babylon as yeah. a, a negative Venus. Yes. Mm. Yes. And she's so much much more Apollonian in that sense. John John of Patmos expresses some issues with women, <laughs> issues with the female. This is like the, it, there's a kind of hatred of, of the feminine. There's also a reverence of the feminine in the book of Revelation. Everything in Revelation is really split. Mm -hmm. uh, it's sort of like the, a book of splitting. Everything becomes good or evil. You go to heaven or hell. You're for us or against us. Yeah, but us. see, the, the, the biblical, like, religious hatred of a certain manifestation of the feminine, that can that that is the 
you need that in order to have a reverence of true femininity. But this is but modern shitlips cannot understand this. Yeah, I okay. think that's a good point. That's a great point. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, there, there's definitely you need also incel misogyny to have the simp. Well, they both exist. You need order to confront the chaos, which is feminine. I think feminine yeah. is, is the mystery, is the chaos. Mm -hmm. And you need some yeah. level of order, some level of saying no, some level of boundaries uh, to to have a good uh, balance of that. But I think yeah. with with porn, uh, well, I don't even know if that relates to porn exactly. Well, it does. It I'll relates to milkers uh, are like coming out of her fucking. <laughs> Those are some glorious milkers. Mm. Well, it also <laughs> relates to the uh, symbol infinite. of the. It also relates to the symbol of the Sri Yantra. I don't know if you guys are seeing it on screen yeah. right now. I'm looking. Yeah. Shakti. So. Yeah. So uh, this wonderful Indian girl that I know, she uh, told me about how the uh, male is represented. Well, first by this infinity point, and second by this frame, this rigid frame that's around this energy and this energy is the female energy this chaotic energy that is contained by the frame and that way they work together because if it's just the frame then there's nothing there there's no change going on and feminine energy is change and that is the change that you're seeing that's with what all Nietzsche these meant by the whip. Language. yeah that's what Nietzsche meant when he said bring the whip and also um Men love danger and men love playing and women are dangerous playthings. Yes. That's <laughs> I, I want to make a comment here about, about all this because I, I think I can sort of understand how this relates to porn. Uh, and, and like the Whore of Babylon and all that, which is... So I, what Nina was saying about there being this sort of mystery to sex and, and sexuality. And uh, I think that is that that's also personified by women by the feminine whatever you want to call it as well i think women themselves and and the way that they feel and the way that they think is not meant to be so rigid or defined or structured it's more imaginative it's more feelings based typically people will say women are emotional sure but that's kind of like just one aspect of it you know but i, I do think that's true to some extent not men, that, men are emotional yeah of course everyone's emotional but I do think men tend to be more logic driven, generally speaking, and women tend to be more well, women, uh, women. I don't know. Men, men like punch their fists through walls and, women <laughs> and Only other white men do that. And Only other and that. other men, <laughs> men, I've, I've seen men just be like super irrational and emotional. I really it's weird that we have these ideas about it, but I just. Well, there, no, there's different, there's different ways that we express our emotionality, but no, the problem is that porn is like the final revealing. It's very like anatomical and it's almost like the woman becomes okay. In porn, the woman through the gaze and through the extreme the feats, go ahead, Glink. go ahead. Sorry if I could. I, I, I dare say the women, the woman is conquered by porn. No, but the woman is conquered by porn, but the, then porn is the conduit by which woman becomes the conqueror and takes mm, on this mm, unnatural right, role. Right. No, no, sorry. But she herself it's, is subjugated too as well. Yes, actually, what it is is the, the, the feminine is defined. It becomes defined, and in yes. doing so, yes. men are confined. I mean, exactly. Not, yes. You know I mean? Yeah. Like, women are fully defined and porn because it's very anatomical it's very like mechanical and the fact that we have like the fact that porn is slotted and categorized into different tropes 
and fetishes, that is also indicative of porn being like this object of mass mechanical and digital reproduction. It's a commodity, and, yeah. Yeah, but also through that commodification, even though women are um, subjugated and oppressed by it, they also through that, like this is again, I know this is kind of like Mark's brain where he says like people under oppression under capitalism will then oppress other people. But it's like now women becomes a, instead of like taking on her like natural spiritual archetypal role, now woman becomes like she herself is dominated, but then she also becomes a conduit by which men are dominated and really spiritually cucked by pornography in my opinion. But like what I, you know what I mean? Because then it's because porn is very much like, it's female centric, but it's a very oh, bad. Nina, Nina's centrism, got her. You know Nina's I mean? got her hand up. A long time ago, like nobody cares about a male friend porn. of Wait. mine. A friend of mine, a former friend of mine, said that all porn is gay porn. Yes, because yes, porn yes. with women is made by men, and they're using women to basically to jerk off to jerk off other mm. men. They're using women yeah. to make men come. Now, is it is it not true Ford there was this spiritually gay. There was this uh there was this uh Russian intellectual. I don't remember his name right now, but he had a very funny point about how even when we look at romance itself, the idea of romance was created by male writers, many of whom were gay. Yes, it's true. It's true because Romance, the way that it's been understood post-romanticism in the 19th century, is very much an affectation of eros only, whereas love in the ancient world was had a variety of different connotations that encompassed religion, society, culture, and so forth. But uh, here are some amazing and stunning quotes by Maya. As we all know, Maya was exposed as a groomer and so forth. So take this with a grain of salt. But Maya, I, I realize, had amazing insights this is one of them. This is really gonna. This is really gonna liven things up. You ready for this chat? <clears throat> Anime resonates specifically because it depicts archetypal ideas of femininity and threatens beta male and broken women so much that for the same reason, only the physically impotent it drains spiritual incel. <laughs> only the physically impotent tea drained spiritual incel could ever call it sexually toxic. It must be understood that the love a man holds for his anime waifu is not the same as one he holds for a woman, but all women. It is the worship of a deity. The waifu is an idol representing aspects of eternal feminine. It is in between those fundamental archetypes of femininity, which, despite the pretense of a narrative, exists within the anime character as a complex of eternally consistent points, as drawn from a database, whereas ideal... <laughs> idealistic projection occurs presenting opportunity for love the anime waifu isn't abstracted into dilution but distillation each embodiment and each embodying a small multitude of female archetypes their simplistic samey appearance is simply efficient convergence on attraction maxed neoteny irrelevant except where it relates to spiritual uh, archetypes so well that's a, that's a whole fucking mouthful but well we all know that maya had a thing about neoteny let's just not gonna deny that but um that is why right-wing men love the waifu you are a, a spiritual low-t norwood cuck if you dare question the love of anime waifu there you go hottest of uh, hot takes there there we go <laughs> so before we go i want to ask glink 
you've been looking at me oh, scrolling. Oh, that's such a fucking disaster. Oh my god, love. You've been, uh, <laughs> you've been looking at me scrolling through the uh, Apocalypse Animated. And by the way, it's apocalypseanimated.com. That is where you go, and you can see the full thing that Nina created. I oh, just... oh, oh, I'll be, I'll be right back. Hang on okay. a second. Okay. Well, right I was just about to oh, ask Link. Oh, Yeah, Nina made all these. These are beautiful. These, these are, are yeah. these are amazing. And I've known Nina since uh, 2004 from the New York animation community. And it is very special for me to be able to not only keep in touch, but have somebody like her on, kind of like a connection to the past. Because it seems like the more we go in terms of all these years, they pass by. And I don't like this fragmentation that's been occurring. Like Nina, I was just saying, I don't like this fragmentation that's been occurring of people who have known each other, then they stop knowing each other, and they're stuck in these internet bubbles never to see each other again. And I don't know if the same thing's been happening with you in terms of the people that you've yeah. kept in touch with in New York City and uh, the people that Glink has kept in touch with. Like, what do you notice is going... Because you're on Facebook uh, not a lot. You put a timer, you put a limit, you have some kind of a device that locks you out of Facebook. But uh, what do you notice is going on? Like, we talked about Gen Z. What do you notice is going on with... I'd say your generation, kind of like in between your and my generation, who are still on Facebook. What is going on with their minds? How uh -oh, are they going boomer. to? How are they going to adapt to what's coming to the apocalypse? How are they going to adapt to the apocalypse? This is the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, it's funny you say what. First, let me ask you: What are you talking about when you say the apocalypse? I like thinking of the apocalypse as in revelation as in something that has not been revealed before is revealed and i think it's an ongoing process where we have the internet now we have the ability to communicate i think that this is going to give not a lot of people but at least a few interest curious people like glink for example give them insight into things that you would have to go into some dusty library, you know, centuries ago and try to uncover certain things. And now it's just like all out there. The, the problem is not, is yeah. Well, this in particular is uh, probably the best one in my opinion. What is the best one? This gift right here, because oh, yeah. like the, fe the, the, the female, the milk of life, the breast is giving life to basically all aspects of um, experience both positive and negative. So fruit, power, the running of horses, the, uh, the grays, money, um, pa like power itself. All of these things emanate from the originary. Oh my soul God. The like, can you read, can you read the thing that it's illustrating? Cause the whole point and of the this fruits is of my soul lusted after the departed from thee and all things which were divine. Uh, no, above. And, no, this, that, above. Oh, above. Sorry. and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense, frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and weed and breasts and sheep and horses <laughs> and chariots and slaves and souls of men. Those but, are all things all that they're, them... people, they're weeping because they're never going to see these things again. Oh because these are, right, right. these are in Babylon. So if you look above, there's, there's the gif of the, of the merchants weeping. And oh, the merchants weeping. That... Those are merchants yeah, weeping. Yeah, CGO, the merchants are no longer happy. They're weeping, and oh. all of these fine <laughs> things that they traded in are going up in flames because Babylon is going up in flames. See, when Babylon is destroyed, the merchants no longer... Never mind. Ne never it mind. seems no. like... I, I this What this symbolism conveys to me, I didn't read all of this, but what this is conveying seems to be like... the. The fruit of life, the 
everything of life, all the good stuff, ultimately, that we experience comes from, uh, well, comes from birth, right? Mm -hmm. Comes from mm -hmm. being born out of a woman, this, as we talk about this feminine embodiment of this feminine. And I think in, in many ways, what porn is, is the complete opposite of that. It's There's no like, life there. There is no life. It's a void. I mean, on a, on a very physical, literal level, you know, sperm is being jerked off into nothingness, right? So it's like a void in that sense. But also, it's an emotional void. And I feel like this is profound to me because I, I feel like the implications of that on such a massive scale are apocalyptic. No, but also, Glink, also, I would say that it encompasses something more insidious. This is a real hot take. You ready for this hot take? Um, you have nowadays, because we are so disconnected from nature, you have the fetishization of the reproductive element. You have like whole categories of pornography around pregnant women, impregnation, cream pies, uh, so forth. And it's always for some creepy reason. I've, I've, I wanted to write a paper on this. I was reading some like, studies on it it's like kind of like fucked up how much it's also related to a lot of uh can we say the i word on youtube i have um, no idea i don't even incest, know what the i word uh, yeah. oh yeah yeah. yeah 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 so it's related to a lot of like incestuous material as well and how it's sort of like it fetishizes something which comes the most natural to humanity it's mm. this hideous inversion of what uh sexuality is like the purpose of it is and so, and it's also crazy how a lot of it is also related to the normalization of like um, incest and fetishizations of different like paraphilias. So you have like the sort of like fetishism around the reproductive aspect, but also the fetishism around, to me, I don't believe in like the Freudian interpretation of it. Like, I think that Oedipalization is one thing. But he, like, interpreted it as a very narrow, like, mechanical and individualistic sense. I think, like, when the reason people seek out this, like, disgusting content is not because, like, oh, I watch, you know, what, what, the, what did the Rittenhouse kid have on his fucking Twitter tab? Braddy uh -oh. Sis, I think. Yeah, Braddy Sis, Braddy Sis. I don't want to, like, watch, like, fake sest because, like, with mother, son or, or, you know, daughter or sisters. The sister especially is the big one. I don't think it's because they actually want to go out and be like, you know, I have a sister. I'm going to fuck my sister. I think it's more of like these relationships are fetishized because it's like um, it's a form of connection that is like by definition, um, like uh, inborn. Right. Like yeah. it's it's like um, it's like if you read this one book of uh, it's it's like a, it's a short novella. It's by this uh, writer called Anna Nis. She wrote this book called House of Incest. And it wasn't like about specifically about like a narrative of around it, like, you know, actually doing it. But it's more of like when you have a close knit family, there's like these sort of um, repulsion yet attraction there. That's like very weird and fucked up. But it's like she wrote, she wrote these beautiful passages about it. And it almost reminds me of how in pornography, the reason these things are normalized is because you have a simulation of intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so it's not the edipalization of like, you want to go out and do it with your family member. It's rather yeah. these things become a, a fetish. It's like a, another, it's yeah. like another layer of Plato's cave in a way. Exactly. It's like you're creating yeah. a closed loop because exactly. you're not, yeah. you're not giving this pleasure to anybody. So you're the right. only witness to this pleasure. And uh, what, it's kind of like the Ouroboros yeah. in a way. 
Well, but also you have. This by, by the way, it would literally where... be. Sorry to interrupt. It would literally be an Ouroboros if you can suck your own dick. Right. Well, that I think that also is right. a thing in pornography. <laughs> by the way, um, the the Marilyn Manson. Now that's not that's not real. By the way, he took out his rib. That's all bullshit. But like, there are people they say that can do that. Um, Ron no, Jeremy, but, I believe he was. Uh... He could do that. That's right. Yeah. You know, this is. I don't mean to cut you off. No, but wait. But... Last point would be that. Yeah. I noticed that in pornography, there's also this fetishization that comes along with the incest stuff of the dominating feminine. The sister is coaxing you, the mother, especially the mommy GF, the, the, the MILF pornography. That is such a powerful cultural force that has been told, by the way, out of all the sexual fetishes, and there's done study, I've read these papers on it. One of them actually was by this feminist. Uh, it's called, uh, the, the, the book is called The Queer Witch, if I recall. But like, but, but queering in the academic term, you know what I mean? Um, where she writes about how the mother being the dominant sexual figure has been an aberration throughout human history. It's always like when it comes to either sexual abuse or sexual fetishization, it's always been the dominant masculine, right? In BDSM culture, statistically, it's always the male who is the dom, right? So, um, but nowadays with the mommy GF, the MILF, the, the so forth, it seems that the feminine now takes on this weird inverted role. It's where the, the, the feminine. Role. Exactly. The role. Exactly. The MILF porn star, like the Lisa Ann. Oh, sorry. Sorry, McGee. I shouldn't name them because McGee's like, I'm, I'm fucking outing myself by naming them. Mm -hmm. But I do not watch them. I purely. Wait, wait. So does that mean that the MILFs <laughs> are more like men than they are like. Uh, yes. Well, girls. They have a powerful sexual role as a man would. Yeah. Can I, yeah. I wanted to, um, I mean, this is all, I think this is all very interesting and there's a lot more to be said about the symbolism, the implications yeah. and all that. But I was going to also maybe uh, talk a little bit because a lot of people or whoever's listening and watching, um, do you have any like advice you want to share or like just experiences about how really to break yourself free from pornography if you have, or like, I mean, it's not always a finite thing, but I feel like there are things one can do to because I think a lot of people feel this way, but they don't necessarily see an alternative or they don't see. Um, yeah, they don't see a way out or they just don't they don't hear about that. And um, hmm. I, don't know, I guess that gets sometimes personal, but well, there are there are certain things, for example, like uh, I don't know, I'm this is not as close to what you were asking, but it reminded me of it. There's a movie out there which I really like, and I understand that it's been in a way tainted by Bob Guccione's uh, vision, but I'm talking about the movie Caligula with Malcolm McDowell. Oh, so, Caligula! Yeah, so I really, oh, enjoyed, no. I really enjoyed that movie, and in a way, I would say even the pornographic scenes were true to the time that Rome was in. And so that is the one thing that I would say I may differentiate maybe with uh, Glink here because those are erotic scenes, but they are part of the whole Roman aesthetic. Same thing, for example, with that HBO series Rome with Polly Walker, also a MILF, I guess you could say, when she was exposing her back, you know, her butt and her, you know, just like her backside uh, completely naked in the bath, you know, she was very beautiful, very attractive. I don't, I think that there is a certain liminal space where that eroticness and, you know, you could say pornography as well does meet up with art. 
I don't yeah. think that a lot of porn today uh, has that aspect. There was, though, pornography like back in the 70s. Uh, yeah, but the best example, Lev. He yeah, was or, the one that wanted to create artistic pornography. Mm. So I'd be curious, like, Link, I want to answer your question as well about the advice for bridging out. Oh, Nina's got her hand up. So, yeah. Well, okay, a, a way to connect uh, the apocalypse to porn. You were talking about Rome. And mm-hmm. the decline of Rome and the decadence of Rome yeah, uh, as it that. was falling and uh, the, the Babylon and the apocalypse was supposedly Rome and John of Patmos was an angry, persecuted Christian who was pissed off about things. So uh, uh, we too are in a, you know, the United States is a declining hegemony. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're having all kinds of parallels to the to the decline of Rome. So if we think yeah. of the apocalypse as maybe a metaphor for the decline of Rome, then... especially if a certain based le- world leader has his way soon, it's coming. Well, you know, I think of it almost in the in the other way that the fall of Rome is a metaphor for the apocalypse, and by that I mean. These stories, I think the stories from the Bible, they might have been written or based on certain time periods. But I think history has shown us that it's it's cyclical in a way. And these things are these ideas and these structures and these archetypes transcend time, really. You know, Mm -hmm. we're just acting out Rome in the modern day, uh, if that makes sense. Mm. But also it's weird, like with when it comes to the MILF, how. The MILF has the normal markers of fertility and attractiveness because despite what the modern, like, I mean, third wave feminist says, right? Like young women possess an archetypal form of attractiveness because of fertility and so forth. But when the MILF comes about, you have this weird situation where the reproductive aspect is complicated. I mean, of course, you know, women in their 40s probably have kids, not that that would be advisable. But like when it comes to the MILF, it's like they have... the typical traits of attractiveness, but yet that sort of the fertility is either denied or complicated. Mm. So it's like you have this weird sort of crossing of wires when it comes to the collective psyche, which is why a lot of like sexy, attractive older women, they tend to go for men that they can control more because they themselves have a very almost masculine character to them. Mm. But then what happens with women like Madonna, for instance, you've seen that very uh, demonic looking. Oh man. No, did you see the one photo of like the, the fake ass that's gone awry? Like she Mm. had like the Brazilian (laughs) ass job that just looks terrible. I mean that like, see Madonna here, like Madonna, she is such like, what is Mark Dice? You know, Mark Dice used to have a, yeah. names for them like she's the satanic slut or whatever yeah. madonna did such a fucking disservice to women i'll tell you how because if madonna would have accepted aging gracefully she could have been a model for older women everywhere of how to be someone who is not like not a silver fox in like a male attractiveness sense but i mean a woman who is confident with in class. her older age exactly with class you know who's in- confident in their older age is menopausal women who don't give a shit about men anymore. Yeah, that's that is true. The that, thing is, is men, the, men the, don't the like archetype. them. We become invisible to men because we don't give a shit about them anymore. And we're not, no, no, but, we yeah, but not them always anymore. though. But not always. Wait, wait, yeah. Glink. 
Well, I was just going to say, that may be true, but is that almost too extreme? Like, maybe you should give a little bit of a shit about it. Okay, I, we, we give a little bit of shit, but not like like when I was so horny when I was young. I There was like, and it was physical. There was just, it didn't matter what my brain said. It was like, w Weren't you wah, yourself wah, bisexual wah. or... Huh? Was I bisexual? You said you were bisexual? Or no, no, that was the other woman. That was Shannon. No, she, she's bisexual. <laughs> no, but you, you. But she, but she, you know, porn helped yeah. her, helped her discover that. Uh, I am not very bisexual. I'm pretty low on the Kinsey scale, but um, I was just compelled, uh, you know, desiring men. And with menopause, that is lessened to a point where it's so manageable that I am fine living without them and the the <laughs> contrast is huge and there's a lot of women like me and of course it comes with you know women are like we're aware uh we, we look different at this age and lots of women say that they become invisible because men are not looking at us the same way and i, no, I feel like it's yeah. a gift of nature that while that's it's happening we stop right? caring when if everything's working right Right. I feel like everything. You become like incels right. in some ways. <laughs> no, no, no. We're vol cells. Yeah. No, we're, because... we're just we're we're just celibate. Or not you we. Know, I shouldn't even say we. I should say that like <laughs> I there are plenty I, of older women I, having I'm... sex, Nina. No, I'm they sorry. Are. That's why I'm I hate to burst your bubble, but especially but... nowadays with pornography, now that they've normalized the MILF, there are tons of older women that hasn't who are been going the issue. With the, the, the issue is not is yeah, that's no no the issue isn't needing pornography. Though. But what I'm saying is that it is so freaking liberating to not want to do that anymore no no what's funny though is that archetypally when it comes to women like i don't not that i know because i'm a man right like i've, I've you definitely through... don't know i know you do not know what no, i'm talking no, about but, but if I there's mean... any women listening <laughs> no i know but what I yeah well, like all right. women though all all 0.1 percent of them yes <laughs> right right oh exactly no but with women when they reach puberty it's the sort of um terror of the gaze where all of a sudden it's like, you know, that part, um, you know, what was that like bad William Defoe movie, the vampire one daybreak, dude, dude, focus you know, on your point. I think <laughs> this is part of it. Do you know, when daybreak stop. where they discover the, um, they discover the cure for vampirism, then they keep biting each other. And it's like a cascading thing, like a virus. It's like, you know, as soon as the human, as soon as the vampire becomes a human, all of a sudden, all the other vampires go right to him, like, for blood, right? It's like, as soon as you reach puberty as a woman among your peer group with young boys, it's like all of a sudden the machine gun turret of the gaze looks at you, right? It's like, oh my god. But then, but as a man, especially a less conventionally attractive man, it's the opposite. It's more of like, you are ignored by the attention of women when you achieve puberty. But with women, but what you're saying is that when women achieve a certain age after menopause, um, it's almost like you're free of always being looked at. Yes. It's a, right? it's a goddamn with, relief. But even more than that, you're free of wanting the attention. But there are some women, though, who say that they never, like, because there's the terror of being looked at during the vulnerable young age when you achieve puberty. But there's some women who don't have that because they're femme cells or unconventionally attractive or whatnot. But it's so. But when it comes to men, men are very different in that we have to earn that attention. Or there's some pretty boys. There's the beautiful boy archetype. But by and large, nowadays, especially because women's attractiveness has been fucked with by social media and by dating apps, it's like men 
more than ever like have to like almost earn that attention right by yeah. the way i'm well, going to interrupt this because lev is now showing uh yeah. the last part of mm. the apocalypse and this was a profound experience that i had since we're talking about the feminine before and like the the perverted feminine and you heard a great voice the hated feminine of the whore of Babylon, but the new Jerusalem is also feminine. And as I actually illustrated it, my mind boggled uh, mm. because I had read this, I had read it several times before I illustrated it. But as I was illustrating it, I was like, Oh my God, there's something else going on in this last bit. And if you keep looking at the pictures, um, if love keeps scrolling down, I will I'm let scrolling. you try to guess what, occurred to me about this last bit. But if you're unbelievable, hmm. holy crap. I, I see some things there. All right, let's see. Glink, what, oh. what are you seeing? I, I might be confused. You're gonna keep scrolling. All right, we're not there yet. Well, by, I mean, it's, it's a cumulative thing. Mm -hmm. And by the way, everybody's loving these animations, Nina. The chat is going nuts. Oh boy, I wanna, well, I'll show you something else when you're apocalypseanimated.com by the way go there support nina please there's no it's free the website's free there's a there's an app if you have an iphone there's a five dollar iphone app where you can load the whole thing on your device and not be reliant on a iffy hmm. i mean connection. i mean what i'm what i'm just seeing with this uh with this cube of power here i mean it is rigid it's cute it's a cube it's not you know round and flowery it's a rigid thing so I am kind of curious about what is the specific feminine connection you see with this uh, golden cube. There seems to be, it seems to be depicting a harmony with structural geometry and fractal nature. All right. Well, what got me about it, and if you just keep scrolling and go to the next oh. one. Oh, the next. Okay, here we go. Well, I mean, Look. are you at the, yeah. Look at that. That's the river, of, the river of life that's inside of the new Jerusalem. Oh, well, there we go. That's the vagina right there with the, the river uh, of life. Yes. Of, yeah. Also notice all the door. The, the, he goes on and on about these 12 gates. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how it starts is with the 12. Anyway, keep going. And then there's the, the tree of life, which there you straddles, go. That's also another straddles the river of life. Mm -hmm. um, they're all filled with the consciousness of the, it's it's like this box that's wet inside it has these <laughs> portals and there's this oh god that i was so close i was so close to doing like a box eating uh uh joke but <laughs> and you, you, by the way squirting like real yes or no the fountains chat. and the waters and um mm -hmm. And the portals and the fountains and the waters and the portals and the por there you fountains go. and the waters and the portals. Like the text goes on and on mm. about it. And not until there I illustrated go. it did I go like, holy shit. By no, the way, what was, what was the return to the harmony of it instead mm -hmm. of like it's a return the destructive to the aspect of it? By the it, way, what was the uh, what was the reason, Nina, that you did the uh, menorah here? So, what does the menorah symbolize with this uh, uh, sun the, and moon? Read the thing right above it. It says, "All right, and there shall be no light there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever." So. so I use the menorah a lot in this because there's a symbolism of seven candlesticks over and over again. 
mm-hmm. and seven lights and seven this and seven that. And, you know, like the temple menorah is, that's what seven candlesticks are. It's well, the menorah. Also, so we, you have the uh, seven chakras uh, in Hinduism and you have the uh, seven planets. From what I understand, that's like the classical number of the uh, planets around the sun. And the 12 gates you mentioned, that's like the 12 tribes of uh, Jerusalem, uh, Israel, and that's also the uh, 12 uh, signs of the zodiac around which uh, the sun goes according to the procession of the equinoxes. And the 12 followers of Jesus. Exactly. And the, Mm -hmm. uh, and also uh, 12, uh, (laughs) yeah, 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 you get the idea. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Numbers numbers are a big, numbers are a big thing in... Uh, the book of revelation seven being like the the biggest and best but yes also there's 12 also there's four there's two the two angels that come that get killed the witnesses the the two witnesses yeah they get killed by the sinful people that deserve their own damnation would you guys uh, said if i dip out oh no i will not accept for one thing that first i want to thank glink so much for being here i want glink to promote whatever it is glink wants to promote and lastly i just want to do a shout out to glink's audience the audience that's watching this right now on i don't know if it's on youtube as well but i know that it's on twitch so listen glink's audience if you enjoyed this what break the rules does is we have these kind of link-ups that you have never seen anywhere before. The kind of people that come here on BTR, it's never happened in the history of podcasting, live streams, because I'm bringing in people from my past. I'm bringing in professionals and think tanks along with Anime Avatar, anonymous people. It all comes together. So if you want to be a part of this, and speaking of anime, after the stream concludes, I am going to link to the uh, one that I'm going to have about anime. That's going to be a really cool stream on Thursday. Uh, so anyway, my point is subscribe to BTR if you want to support what this is all about. Add a like. The likes are very helpful for the algorithm. And if you want to support us further, patreon.com slash break the rules. That is going to keep the uh, river flowing like Nina was talking about, the river of life. Uh, so that uh, break the rules keeps going. So anyway, Glink, uh, right before you go once again, brother, would you want anything uh, to promote, anything to link up to? California documentary. Uh, yeah, well, thank uh, to anyone listening who doesn't know me, just Glink on YouTube, always working on another video. I'm, I'm actually working on a video about femininity, about artistry, because I went down to Miami and filmed these three different female artists, and that's going to be interesting. So look out for that. Glink on YouTube. Also, anyone watching me, you guys probably just heard him say that, but Break, Break the Rules, one of the best podcasts out there, very underrated, and they do have amazing guests, great combinations. I like you guys because you're bridging the gap between, I mean, on one level, it's it's kind of bridging the gap between Gen X and Gen Z, which <laughs> is great. They need to have more conversations because Gen X is incredibly based, and Gen Z has the potential to be. Well, fuck millennials. Millennials are a lost cause. <laughs> yeah, we're fucked. Millennials are done for. <laughs> Yeah, and we're not the kill stream, okay? We're not the fucking. It's over for millennials. <laughs> it's mm. over for us. I hate to say it. It's uh, also over for Ethan Ralph, by the way. Oh, sorry, that's our. <laughs> I wanted to ask Link something. Hard. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nina, ask Link. I'm, I'm All right. So in your in your no fapping thing, I I noted that you went to a comic con to talk about no fapping. What is There's it tons- about the comic con world where the no fapping message? was particularly uh, important. Coomers. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I went there. That was, I went there and I talked about it on this like um, 
open mic thing. And part of it was just a joke because it's like I, I just had a video about it. I made a video about this whole no fat movement. But I'm also trying to bring or I was trying to now it's more. Well, I still am. I want to bring awareness to um, the pervasiveness of pornography, its effects, but also that you can have control of it. That's the real that's kind of what I was trying to talk about earlier with Geo and, and all that is like the good news is, though, you can have control of it. You could regain control over your sexuality, over your urges to some extent. And that's not to say anybody's perfect. I'm certainly not. But there's a real thing where when you kind of disconnect yourself from porn and from just masturbating all the time, you can enjoy a sexual fantasy and it doesn't have to be tied to this super stimulating outlet, this, this kind of addictive behavior. And you can, I, I, I'm also not against, I think you can jerk off. I think it's fine to jerk off occasionally too, uh, with your imagination, but, um, so I'm not against that, but I am against fapping like to porn frequently mm. as like a just daily habit that everyone that every guy I've known growing up does. Like it's not a it's a very common. Well, thing. there there is one more thing we didn't get to. I know you have to go, but the real big mystery that I think people are going to start getting to the bottom of You're within this whole real. with well, hold on, Gio, with this whole time of revelation would be a reverse squirting. You could say would be Kundalini. <laughs> So that is, I think, the biggest question of all. What the hell is this liquid that's going up our spines squirting. when we, when we, yeah, well, reverse squirting, like I said, when we redirect, redirect the sexual it's energy. It's just Lev, pissed, it's, the liquid is not literally going up your spine. But it's well, it's spiritual liquid. That's well, my okay. point, Nina. Right, yes, oh, you actually feel a liquid go, going. going up yes, no, spiritually going. It's not going, real. It's yeah. just urine. Okay? I heard. <laughs> I heard something related to that. That there's a way. I, I have no idea if this is real, but that there's a way to to orgasm as a man where you don't come, but you have like some sort of internal orgasm. And somebody once told me something, some Kundalini. Yeah, well, that's that's Kundalini, yeah. Yeah, yeah Tantra so, has a lot of that. That's yeah. interesting. I'm, I'm curious how, yeah. to, how to do that. Well, I, I have Kundalini in the back. So if you have any questions, you can uh, follow whatever the heck is going to be happening with uh, my life by uh, going to my Twitter, twitter.com slash Lavpo. I will keep you abreast. That's what Arnold Schwarzenegger means. I will keep you abreast. And I will. Keep Wait, you're you gonna tell us about juicing up your spine? <laughs> no, no, that's what Schwarzenegger meant when he worked out. He's like, I'm coming in the oh, gym. I'm yes. coming at home. I'm coming up to it. Coming all the time. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So, Blink, buddy, thank you so much for yeah, coming thank in. Yeah, you guys for having also, me. I'm down to do it again sometime. Hell also, yeah. Blink does a podcast with Kino Corner. Yes. What's, oh, it called? What's your podcast called? Uh, it's not out yet, but it will be soon. We're kind of pre-recording some episodes. Uh, but oh. more, more to the point, I am going to have a discussion with Jonathan Jonathan Peugeot. Whoa. Nice. Guys, I feel like you guys, uh, like, because he's all about symbolism. You guys you guys have already had him on. I know that. I listened oh, yeah, to that yeah. one. Yeah, episode. Yeah. But uh, maybe him and Nina. I don't know if they've been on, but that, yeah, he's great. I can't wait to talk with him. I'd like uh, to definitely. talk to him. I, I really want to have, like, a really deep conversation with one other person about yeah. the apocalypse also i got something on my Substack. i'm trying to write i have a bunch of writing projects i have the series on the online right yeah. but i'm going to write something hey guys. Hey. That is, uh, yeah. you're going to like that's what you oh yeah but i'm going to talk with jonathan pajot about all these topics and maybe we'll even use nina's site as reference because this mm. is symbolically there you like, go. 
it's, it's right symbolic. There. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. And it stopped moving too. I don't know why. Oh, it stopped moving. oh, that that's just me being lazy. So people were asking, why do I still have the Christmas hat on my Twitter profile? That's just me being well, selectively lazy. Like I'm concentrating on other things, so I'm just not changing my Twitter profile. It just still has the Santa hat on from last Christmas. Uh, so anyway, Glink, thank you so much for coming in. I'm gonna keep scrolling uh, down over here. As oh, always, Glink. Yeah, hey guys. My peace out. Bye. Catch you nice to meet care. you, Glink. I almost want uh, this guy over here, by the way, to have a little to have a little. So uh, He's a foot fetish. Yeah. Oh, well, Gio, you were stepping on my point. I was just about to say I want him to say the word "fita." That's what he should say oh, over here. There should be a little bubble of him saying Fita. Uh, anyway, yeah, so we have the sword. This is There's the one I wanted you to see. Look at that. Uh, is that vaginal or what? That's Absolutely. super vaginal. Like that, that is, uh, yeah, that's, that's, I forget which art critic. Um, it may have been the one, the woman who read the, who wrote the vagina monologues that talked about, um, isn't she like crazy though? Is it Evenzer or, um, but anyway, yes. this is this is the desire to return to the womb, and no matter how much John of Patmos hated women or aspects oh, of women, he sublimated this urge to return to the womb by making it, you know, but making this it is all what I about mean. male gods. This but is it what was I still mean. there. She's still there. The great mother is still there. It's, you it's can't true. get rid of her. Well, but the, question, mean, but the question, but the question is, is the grandma, is the great mother, is she, I could see that she's the womb, she's the tunnel, but I guess the real question is, what is the origin point of the tunnel? Because I guess according to the Hindus, the origin point and the frame around reality would be this male energy, but the female energy would be like the tunnel and the movements and the music and the animation and all that. So that would be, I think, the way that they differentiate it. I could be wrong, though. It's not one or the other. It's, it's just, both. It's just it's... like the text. If you read the text... It seems very much like, you know, God, he, 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 everything is he, he, he. But uh, I don't know, man, somehow making these images just changed my orientation to it. Well, it's a uh, kind of a tantric practice in a way. I really do believe that we are able to link up to things that are however you define above, that are in a way above our uh, normal reality through the process of creating art. Anyway, I want to show you these things. Did you see these? No, hold on. Okay, before that, before you show that, Nina, I love these little doodles here, the frog and the dog. I love the dog. The dog's No the... tan doodles here. Yeah, that's my the, I mean, that's all relating to the text. Yes. So everything in here relates directly to the text, which is why I just kept the text in. I didn't want it read or anything. I wanted people to be able to look at the text. Because that's grace... some weird-ass text. Yes. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So I'm going to switch the screen right now <laughs> so that you can show off what you have over there. And by the way, all the people who have not subscribed right now, this is this is unbelievable. Subscribe right now. What are you doing? Just subscribe. Just do it. Yeah, Just what are you do doing? It. What are you doing, people? All right, check this out. All right, I'm going to make so a bigger screen whoops, here. Wait. Here we yeah, go. I finally got to make lenticular cards. I'm oh, so... Wait, 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 hold on. The people aren't seeing this yet. I have to uh, move this screen. There we go. Look at that. Right. Look at that, everybody. Whoa. Yeah. So like these are like cards. And um, I'm I'm into this right now making lenticular cards because I wanted to my whole 
life uh, and now i have a chance to and it's very exciting you know how, these have like the plastic ridges on them how can we get these cards uh if you go to apocalypseanimated.com slash store there's a thing on the table of contents that'll link you to the store uh, let me show here this one this one's cool look at this wow Check that out whoa. Whoa. yeah i used to think <laughs> these were, i used to think these were magic as a kid oh we all did <laughs> wow i like that one wow yeah anyway i'm uh it is the longhouse mother <laughs> you know you know you six, could also six, well you could all, we should send like, them one to sticks tattoo. <laughs> I, I i think sticks hex and hammer 666 would love that one there we go okay i just yes. wanted to show those things because i'm excited about them i'm excited about them too i'm excited that you're excited so here i'm gonna bring back the uh the old screen over here uh, move some things around. Uh, I mean, look, we're we're already pretty much ending this. Super before, chats. Yeah, yeah. Super. It is time for the super chats. And once again, everybody, subscribe. Patreon.com slash break the rules. This is not Zoom, so that's why it takes a little bit longer for me to actually load more images. Uh, you should um, go back to Zoom. I don't know. I don't know. I like this thing. I like uh, mm. I like StreamYard. There's nothing I could say about that. But anyway, here we go. I'm adding one more screen in here. Add to stream. That's just uh, you know just about just to balance things out. Just to balance out the flavor. Here we go. All right, listen, everybody. It's time. It's time for the for the sneeding of the super chats. Okay, here we go. Um, all right, super chat number one. I am stalling for time because I do not have the right tab open. But look, it is late, and you guys have watched. Here we go. Super chat. All right, now there's a white. So, okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Um, Massive McGee, Krakatora about to erupt. Geo is ready to blow. Oh yeah, that was during the the yeah bisexual talk. Bisexual. Um, what, how many? How many oh. was that for? English. It's English pound sterling. So that is mm. um, how many? How was it? One dollar. Yeah. Well, I, I guess he he was thinking that you wanted to pound some somebody sterling during oh. that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, all right. Next one over here, everybody. Um, Tux loves you. Oh man, there's a lot of super chats here. Tux loves you. Five dollars. Let Five him. Dollars. Let him who has no wooden horses throw the first plank. Oh God. Oh, that's a that's a reference to flamenco who uh, accidentally um, leaked his own porn proclivities. I, I don't know how he had like a Pornhub tab where he uh, is into pegging. And you know how, like, dominatrixes, they have, like, this wooden horse thing with the wooden dildo on it? Some shit like that. He's into riding from a dominatrix riding a man with a horse. I don't know. Wait, Nina, do you know, do you know about you, this flamenco character, Nina? I don't want to know about this. You know, the funny thing about porn you, is I, I hear about all these people being addicted to it, and it's like... It's always repulsed me. You know, like wait, wait, the best Dina. I could do with yeah. porn is, you know, just to suspend judgment and go like, well, okay, just be open to it. People like it. Like, Nina, Ugh. do you know what? Uh, he was know, a co-host uh, with Ethan Ralph, but then yeah. he left Ethan. Thank God he left the gun. Nina, uh, do, you, do you know about Ethan Ralph? 
No, do I want to? Are you no, torture? Are you playing no, no, torture no, you the Gen Xer again? No, you don't. Oh man! Is, Are, isn't it good to not know some things? This is what we were saying about sex and porn earlier. It's like yeah. it's okay to not know some but things. But too many. But Nina, Nina, too many well-meaning Gen Xers in New York City. I think that they're so disconnected from whatever is going. Like they're connected to their Facebook accounts, but they're <laughs> disconnected to the conversation. If in you're general, on Facebook, and, yeah, you're pretty yeah. much fucked. So, culture. anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, glow, glow in the dark. Twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. Thank you. Does porn cause bad habits? I would say yes. The problem is, like most vices, as long as it is not prevalent, it isn't a problem for a society. When it gets accepted in public, it tends to cause a degeneration. There we go. That's very sensible. I can't believe yeah. you had to pay twenty dollars to say that. That's pure. No, don't say that. No, <laughs> we're only gonna read. We're gonna be like the Kino Casino. We're only gonna read twenty dollars super chats from now. Uh, oh, that's so what they do. Yeah. yeah do you know? Uh, need to know who PPP is. Thirteen thousand dollars that one stream. They did a nine-hour stream. This one guy, his name is uh, Signal Boot, gave them seven grand on stream. Oh, man. And and you know what they do, Nina? They talk about Ethan Ralph and they talk. They right. talk Who's about Ethan Ralph? Quentin. Go ahead. Tell me. I don't need innocence. Go He's ahead. Just, uh, well, he hosted um, the first, um, wasn't the first, but like it was the popular in 2018 debate, thing, debate show, The Kill Stream. And I, I, there's so much things around him. He's this redneck southern uh degenerate who takes pills and drinks his ass off and uh impregnated an 18 year old and released revenge porn on her and now uh is uh, impregnated another woman he lives with in a trailer and uh he's he uh doxes people and he uh he uh, does a whole litany of shit but basically the kill stream was during yes that is ethan Th that, Ralph, that's ethan Ralph. Uh, Pantsu, who, who, by the way, is all, also into Lolicon, and they have a daughter together. I can't believe this. So Ethan Ralph hosted the kill stream, which became associated with what people call internet blood sports, where basically e-celebrities go on and yell gamer word expletives at each other for two hours. And he became popular doing this around 2018 after Gamergate. He was the original like host of like these Gamergate e-celebrities. And he also has, a, if you go to Kiwi Farms, you'll get the quick rundown. Yes, uh, but, go to yeah, Kiwi but now, Farms. Now Break the Rules is stealing that manic. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm no kidding. Break, break the Rules the is not the kill stream. It's not even no, blood no. ports. Break the Rules is its own thing. It is we way higher, but no, we won't be because Break the Rules is much enough. higher class. <laughs> no, Life is not just about money, Geo. You're the ones who are always accusing the small hats of money-related things. Life is not about money. Life <laughs> is about setting a good example for the next generation to follow. I thought this stream was going to be blood sports. I was on. But then, like, right near the end when uh, Nina mentioned the A word, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was gonna yeah, somebody, be, uh, somebody in the chat was like Nina, no. Okay, look at no. oh, you better monitor Shannon's Twitter. She could have a Nina. different opinion about autogynephilia. She oh, could have that opinion. Uh, Atheist YouTuber and progress. No, I, I can't. Uh, All right, here we go. Here we go. Okay, so it was another... kind of funny though when she said, "Are you talking about trans women?" 
<laughs> no, look, much respect for Shannon to coming on. Shannon was yeah. very, she was she very was nice. She was awesome. She was great. She did exactly what she was supposed to do. It's just that, it's just that that doesn't really I'm not shed very, a lot of yeah. light on the I'm, issue. Yeah. Mm. Well, glow in the dark, $10. Can we talk about the female gaze? I mean, when can we get a pot belly man to, on Playgirl magazine? I mean, come on, man. Uh, it's just, uh, what, what is this? Uh, plus I plus S. Oh, she want to say tits are just as attractive a woman tits, no matter what size that's creative. He used like the plus what? sign for what did he say? What was the super chat? <laughs> Man tits are just as attractive as a uh, female tits. What? <laughs> you know that man tits is, uh, they say is correlated with, uh, not outside of obesity. I, I'm intimately aware of this. Um, outside of obesity, you know how like skinny fat redditors they have man tits, even though they don't have a particularly high BMI. They say that mass chronic masturbation produces a chemical. It's they actually have a clinical term for it, where man tits is associated with chronic masturbation that produces a certain chemical within the male. I have to look it up. They have a term mm. for it. The chat can enlighten me on the term. Uh, oh, and by, by the way, quick, it's, quick it's comments. It's like esoteric bro science. For mm. a well, quick, uh, quick comments over here. Not super chats, but I still want to read them. So uh, Jared Wybe or Weeby says, break the rules is to kill stream with firing line is to Jerry Springer. <laughs> That's true. They, I'm, I'm glad to, I'm glad to know that at least we're perceived as firing line as opposed to Jerry Springer. Yes. And Although Mass maybe we could By the way, I I have to, I have to mention here that I was on the Jerry Springer show. Mm. You were, that's right. I, I remember and you were wearing the uh, S&M gear. I, I was I indeed, and I was much younger. Now, why oh, were you way, wearing why, why were you wearing it? Well, oh yeah. Why, why was I wearing it? I was yeah, wearing yeah. it because Chris Corda said Hey, I know you have a dominatrix outfit. Wear it for the Jerry Springer show under another dress. Hmm. Well, yeah. Gio, you remember Chris Corda? Uh, by the way, is Chris Corda also autogynephilic or? You know, I think he is. Chris has said flat out. He has said, "I am turned on by this," and I don't blame him because he looks great in female I've heard the name. gear. I've heard the name Chris Corda. Oh, and way, speaking like, of looking it's great, so nice. It's, he just like he's. He just, he doesn't have any mm. like weird issues about it. He's just like, yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of looking, speaking of looking great, look at, uh, look at Nina there. Look at this uh, beautiful Back woman. in the day. powerful yeah. Jewish woman jaw. Very... I have a very weak jaw. I have almost <laughs> no, like no in jaw. That picture, it's got like that shape to it. That's mm. just lighting. Uh, and Massive That's McGee good. says, much respect for Nina, one of the best Gen X guests on BTR. Now, he did not. Sorry, that's what he meant. Gynecomastia. That's he did not uh, pay for the super chat, but he is a uh, patron. So, patreon.com slash break the rules. <laughs> Look a at Michael. She lived in, in San Francisco during the 90s. Every day was Jerry Springer. <laughs> <laughs> Every day was Jerry Springer. That's uh, kind of uh, true. Well, thank right. you for that nice comment, person. All right, I'm going to finish this up here. Okay, so. Glow in the Dark, another one. Man, Glow in the Dark has been knocking it up. You know, Glow in the Dark may actually be siphoning money from the actual CIA to you pay for Break the Rules. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, it seems when society accepted sexuality, it replaced love and its position in society. Such sweet sorrow to gain one thing, you must give up another. 
Mm. And the last super chat of the day, Croin Kicks, the great Croin Kicks, five dollars. Five dollars. High Life is the official Fapstronaut movie. I'm not sure. I've never seen High Life. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Fapstronaut? What the fuck? Fapstronaut, I don't know. Some kind of slack. Listen, guys, it's over. The stream is over. Thank you so much for watching. (laughs) Nina, Thank you are always a joy to be here. You are way better than... No, I'm not going to say, like, you know, that all the guests, uh, you know, uh, BTR has had, but, like, you are are at the top. You're wonderful to talk with. You're very kind. Oh, yeah, High Life. Yeah, they have sex in uh, space. That's Robert Pattinson, that movie. Indeed. Well, thanks, y'all. Thank you. Oh, and ABC, ABC, two dollars. <laughs> prawn is bad. Well, I like prawns. I know, like uh, you know, the uh, the shrimp. Prawn is the opsack uh, spelling. Yes, exactly. Oh, prawn. Yeah, that's right. Get it, prawn. That's yeah. back from the. That's an ancient internet meme. What are you? Yeah. What, what were those? Usenet. Back from the Usenet. Days. Usenet. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm going to use the net to press the end stream button. Thank you guys so much for watching.